here it comes again, lunch. Will it be the same old, same old? Or are you ready to take a vacation from the ordinary with the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub at Firehouse Subs? Freshly sliced smoked turkey breast, craveably sweet mustard sauce, and a hint of Caribbean seasoning. Just $5.55 for a medium. Save time. Order the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub on the Firehouse Subs app. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Participating locations, limited time only, plus tax. Prices may vary for delivery. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. listening to the Voices of Wrestling podcast with your hosts, Joe Lanza. X out, go listen to some boring podcast where they're afraid of their own shadow. Okay? Don't listen to Joe Lanza. Because Joe Lanza's not changing. And Rich Crage. <laughs> Give me a name. Like Who delivers <laughs> this guy in a big spot? Joe, don't yell at me. In, like in the big spot. Who delivers better than this guy? Just stop yelling at me. I agree. I am internationally acclaimed broadcast journalist, as heard on BBC Radio, the king of banter, the most compelling voice in wrestling media, Joe Lanza. I am here with a still very ill, very sick, (laughs) um, potentially, possibly on his deathbed, Rich Krejci. I'm sure he'll be uh, hacking, wheezing, (laughs) uh, sucking snot. And, and making all sorts of horrible noises into the microphone again, which I'm sure repulsed all of the people. I'm so sorry. I, I try to mute because, like, Skype has a little mute thing. And I, and I try to do it as quick as possible. But sometimes these things just come. Or, like, in mid-sentence, I'll just have to start, like, hacking, and, and I can't help it. So well, here's the, here's the good news. Nobody listened to the show last week anyway because iTunes is a piece of shit. <laughs> and, and Do you want to talk about that real quick? I do. I do want to okay. talk about that real quick because if you recall about a month ago, we buried the restaurant chain Genghis Grill for not having scallops on the buffet line. This is obviously a very strong media entity because, Rich, the next time I went to Genghis Grill, the scallops were back on the, Ooh, on the buffet line. That. So our listeners used the power of, uh, of their collective and got me my scallops back. I'm going to urge the listeners of this show. I, may, I have made a personal vow. I will never purchase an Apple product uh, for the rest of my days, I am ne- I will never contribute a bit because they're costing me money, and I'm getting sick and tired of iTunes. Look, things happen. There's some back end issues. The problem is that I uh, they have they've not responded well. We're getting robotic responses. They're not working on this issue, and I every time I look at the numbers for last week's podcast, I'm sickened. We're probably down fifty to sixty percent from the week prior. And these are big numbers, and it's costing us money. And I'm not doing shtick here. I'm sick of this. No, no, we're dead serious. They, yeah, it's really been annoying. <laughs> and, 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 you know, because people don't realize. There's people reaching out to us every day who think we haven't done a show in two weeks. Because they rely on this on the, uh, on the iTunes feed, which we have been, for some reason, removed from iTunes. Yeah, just to give you a little background on that, uh, we, we found out that all of a sudden, we, we there was about a month or so ago where we had some issue where uh, things weren't showing up on iTunes, it wasn't refreshing properly. 
Uh, we figured that out with our host, Audio Boom, which, which I'll get to them in a little bit because this is it's an important part of this whole story as well. And for most people listening to this, you don't care because you're not on iTunes most likely. But if you've converted from iTunes, you've come from some other app program or you're just downloading the show, however you're finding it, just a little bit, a little bit of a background as well. So then we find out about a week ago, everyone's like, hey, you guys, where'd you guys been? You know, I haven't seen you guys. You haven't been online. You know, there's nothing coming up through iTunes. So I look into it a little bit more and I get deep into the iTunes backend and stuff. And I see deleted. It says that we have been deleted. This podcast has been removed from iTunes. And I go, oh, that's strange. I don't know what we did. They didn't send me an email. Nobody, you know, they didn't say, hey, by the way, you know, we're going to delete you because of this or, oh, a warning. If you do this anymore time, we're going to delete you. Like, I wasn't sure what it was. I have no idea. So I reached out to them and I said, well, why are we deleted? What, what happened here? Uh, the response I get back is very vague. Uh, you know, hey, you know, give us this link or check this or do this. I do this. And I'm doing stuff. And by the way, like we're like 45 emails deep w- with iTunes here. Just, just so people have an idea of how hard and how much we've been trying to work on this, uh, as well as our host, Audio Boom, which again, I'll get to them in a little bit because they're an important part of this whole story. So the more and more we get going and get going and get going, they go, oh, your feed didn't validate. Your feed didn't validate. That's the stock answer. Your feed didn't validate. Your feed didn't validate. So we go to Audio Boom. We go, hey, what's this issue or whatever? They they look at it. They have their text look at it. They go, okay, here we go. Here's something that I think you guys maybe did wrong. Let's try it again. Your feed didn't validate. Your feed the same stock answer. We keep getting back from iTunes. Keep getting back from iTunes. Eventually, we hear back and they go, okay, well, it, well, here's why it didn't validate. Here, here's here's this or this or whatever. So I show it to Audio Boom. Now Audio Boom all of a sudden goes, well, all of our podcasts have that exact same error. It's just a standard error that all the podcasts have. So now they're freaking out because, unfortunately, we're kind of the guinea pig of this, which kind of sucks. But they're looking at their end. And, and, and by the way, if you don't know Audio Boom, that, that, they, they host our podcast. But they host a number of other big-time podcasts as well. I and mean, the MLW Radio Network is all on there. You know, the, 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 you know something to wrestle with, Bruce Pritchard's show on MLW, uh, the brand-new Tony Giovanni show, the What Happened When, the really good stuff that Conrad does, and, and Court Bauer, who's a, a longtime supporter of this site or whatever. They do a ton of stuff on you, Audio Boom. You, you That's you, theirs. Listen, yeah. You can't be some geek podcast on that site. Okay. No, that's what I mean. Like the, the locked on network. Yeah, the locked on network. I don't know if you're familiar with that. They do sports, basketball. They they cover little beats here and there. There's and that's just the sports and wrestling world. That's just stuff that I listen to. Let alone, I mean, a lot of stuff is on audio, but it's a big deal. And and, so and, now and, they they're selling all our ads. Exactly. Yeah, and they do, and and they're selling ads for all these other podcasts as well. So when you listen to to Conrad and Bruce Pritchard talk about you know you know the, the different things that they're talking about, it's being sold by by Audio Boom. So it's a big deal. So, they, so, when, I'm big down, so when I'm down fifty sixty percent. Okay, I'm not happy about that. This is taking money no. out of our pockets. Okay, it it's is. very frustrating, yeah. and we don't like to throw numbers out there because we don't like to give that stuff away so people don't know. Rich, we're we're going into five figures of downloads that were not that that were down this week from the week before. Yeah, it's, have you it's, looked it's at it? Not pleasant. So it's I have. Disgusting. Yeah, it's, it's yeah, it's pretty pretty terrible. And, and what sucks is the amount of work we've been trying to do. So now Audio Boom then contacts them and goes, "Okay, well hold up, because if this happened with this podcast, are you then saying that all of our podcasts are going to do this?" And they get like a very stock answer back again. And now it's on. Like now we've unfortunately made Audio Boom very upset at iTunes. And now those two sides are fighting. And we're kind of the guinea pigs in the middle here. But the, the conclusion is we're, we're still working on it. We're still trying. We don't, it, it's completely out of our hands. It's been out of our hands from the beginning as well. We're just trying to make it work. And, and from Audio Boom's end, they're trying to make it work so that we're the only one. I mean, it kind of sucks that we're, the, you know, kind of the sacrificial lambs here. But they want to make sure that all those podcasts don't get lost too. That MLW Radio just doesn't get deleted, and that all these things and the Locked On Network and 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 a number of podcasts that you love and and probably listen to in addition to our podcast don't get removed. So it kind of sucks that we're again we're the sacrificial lambs, guinea pigs, whatever you want to say. 
Um, but yeah, it's a bigger issue now than just simply our podcast, quote unquote, being deleted. So it, it sucks. We're doing all we can. We're trying. We're trying. We're trying. Please don't tweet at us. We're aware of the issue. We know all we can say. Um, a, when we get back, we're going to make everybody give us reviews on iTunes. So we just screw, go all the way up on there. Maybe we'll, we'll, we'll make our title fuck iTunes and make them, you know, everybody review us. So we go to the top of their, their leaderboards or whatever. But more than that, I would say get there's so many podcast apps out there. I haven't used iTunes in, in, in probably five years. For anything, I use Downcast. I use Overcast or the two podcast apps I use. People use Pocket Cast. Well, well Rich, um, I could probably give you to the number exactly how many of our people use iTunes <laughs> based on the number of people who did not listen to the podcast last week. So yeah. the, the, the fact of the matter is about 60% of our listeners are, are right. obviously getting us off of iTunes. Uh, because that's the chunk that we're missing. And that was the Royal Rumble review. So that, in theory, should have been a, uh, a show that was at least equal to the week before. If not, done better number. it should have done better numbers than the week before, realistically. that's one. That would be one of the five biggest shows we do, I would think, over the course of the year. So uh, it's very frustrating. You are way too diplomatic. I'm telling everybody uh, to – listen, if you've gotten around this and you're an iTunes guy and, and, and you've gotten around it and you're listening to the show some other way, stick with that other way. Just go to the da- to our damn audio boom page and do direct downloads or use one of these services that Rich is talking about because this is how ri- – it's and again, it's the way they're handling this with their robotic responses. They don't give a shit. They don't care that you're not getting these shows. That, look, and our listeners will come back. Okay, I'm not worried about our listeners, but it's, it's, it's absolute bullshit. That you know, music of the mat and burning spirits and open the voice gate and and all of these other shows, shake them ropes. Their listeners will come back. I'm not worried about McCarran and Hawkins either, but these other shows that had positive momentum and we're getting them off the ground and they're gaining a listener base. And now those, it, it's all these shows are not appearing on anybody's feeds either because we've been deleted and it, it it makes me sick. It's disgusting. So fuck Apple, fuck iTunes. Don't use them anymore. Don't buy their products. Good luck with that. No one's gonna listen. It's one thing to ask for scalps to be put back on the, uh, but, but try to get, the, try to pry these iPhones out of people's dead cold hands. That's never gonna work. But, uh, but it, 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 I'm so frustrated with this. Yeah, and we're, we're doing, and, and the problem too is we're, it's like days between emails. Like, fix this. Okay, here's the quick fix, and then I don't hear from them from because I'm on there all the time. I mean, I they will email me, and within five minutes, I have done whatever they've said and emailed them back, and then I wait a day and a half to hear anything back. And that's why it's taken two weeks at this point because it's like I'm doing everything I can. Audible's doing everything they can, but then iTunes, you know, and it's not like it's just this one. I mean, we've heard from a few different people at iTunes or Apple or whatever, and we're just getting like horrible responses back, no responses, vague things, copy and pastes of of things they've already told us to do, and we're doing all we can. And I I don't know anything short of just starting a new feed. I don't know if you know, like, if that's going to be a problem again, too. So I don't know what the hell to do, but I'm I'm trying to be diplomatic. We're trying to be, you know, get this going along, but we're now in two weeks, and and, and it really sucks. And yeah, like you said, it, it. it doesn't really affect us. I mean, it affects us a lot, but it doesn't affect us at the same level that it does those other podcasts that you were talking about. Like us, it, two or three years ago, if this happened, people would people would just say, okay, these guys stopped doing podcasts. I don't care anymore. I think now people realize that we're kind of established, that we do this all the time, that, that it's a thing. We've been doing it for five years now. We're not going away. But I don't want people to think that, oh, that music on the mat, they had one episode and it was really cool, but they never came back. Oh, that Burning Spirits, oh, that was really cool. They were doing a lot of cool stuff. Oh, they never came back. Or, you know, open the voice gate. Oh, cool. They did their awards and now they're just done. I don't want anybody to think that those podcasts stop recording, stop doing episodes, stop doing it, because we're still doing all these things. We've stayed on our same schedule, but it just sucks because, yeah. So it, it, I really do hope that it, if you are listening to this, you know 
But uh, if you have people that you see people on feeds or you know you have friends or whatever, please let them know. Just try these other means. There's so many other podcast apps out there that work reliably that don't delete you out of nowhere. So definitely go out there and seek that out. But uh, yeah, it, it sucks because that's a huge, huge chunk of our listener base. So I'll tell you what else you should seek out, Rich. Valentine's Day is just a few days away, but it's not too late to send beautiful artisan-designed arrangements from Bloom That. Show that special person in your life that you really care about them with beautiful flowers arranged by a designer picked right before you order. Don't be tricked by the fancy promotions that other big flower companies throw in hidden fees, surcharges, Or they replace your roses with carnations. Oh, God, the worst. You pay for roses, you should get roses. Okay? Especially on Valentine's Can you imagine a bouquet of carnations on Valentine's but Day? But this happens, Rich. Can you imagine? This is a real thing. Hey, honey, here you go. Now, if you're me, you buy the carnations and try to pass them off as roses. <laughs> yeah, I don't know the difference. I'm Joanne. But if you're paying for roses, Rich, you should get roses. And if you order roses from Bloom That, you're getting roses. It's Valentine's Day. Give them the best. You got to give them Bloom That. Bloom That is already a great value, but we have an exclusive offer just for our listeners and for this week only, Valentine's, uh, we- Valentine's Day week only. The best price on a gorgeous bouquet, just picked, hand-designed, and Instagram-ready. Because you know, listen, Rich, you know these, these girls. They're going to put it all over the Instagram, okay? These flowers are Instagram-ready. Bloom That will throw in a premium designer vase and immediately take 15% off of their already low prices. You can only get this exclusive deal by going to our link, bloomthat.com slash V-O-W. That's B-L-O-O-M-T-H-A-T slash V-O-W to find the perfect handcrafted designer flowers, premium vase, and the immediate 15% discount this Valentine's Day. Days away, Rich. Once again, that's bloomthat.com slash V-O-W. I think, Rich, we have to start with New Beginning in Sapporo, the somewhat divisive main event. I know you Mm -hmm. were somewhat cold on the match. I enjoyed it to a point. You know, it's weird. I I enjoyed (laughs) the match a lot, actually, but it's weird because – I had a, a, several different problems with the match, but at the end of the day, it was a hard match for me to rate because even though I had several problems with the match, I, as, as, as a total package, I still really enjoyed it, and I loved a lot of the things they did. Uh, so I couldn't, I, I, I couldn't bury it. I, I, it, it, it was a unique match in a lot of ways because it was very different than anything we've really seen from New Japan, like a main event of a New Japan show in, in years. I mean, it, it's been... A long time since we saw something that was like this. It wasn't an epic. I mean, you know what I mean? Like, most times we get on here and we talk about this, especially an Okada match or versus, you know, whether it be a Tanahashi or even even past matches he had with Suzuki or whatever. And it's always the epic. Oh, Okada had this great epic and it was the Omega match. I mean, that's, that's an epic match. That's the best way to describe that. This was not that. This was something entirely different. So it was kind of, you kind of had to rejigger your, your mind a little bit when you're watching this. Of kind of like, okay, this is this is not what I'm used to seeing. This is a very different match, a very structured uniquely than any other big-time New Japan main event that I, I can recall really in the what we call the quote-unquote Okada era, right? Can you really think of another match that was similar to this in the main event slot that was worked in this sort of style, which is, you know, a babyface just getting destroyed, destroyed by the heel. And, like, we don't get that. I mean, it, it, it's usually just kind of a neck-and-neck. Neck. You know, there's guys getting advantage here, guys getting advantage here. You know, then they kind of do a comeback. Then this guy, or they hit their finisher. That None of that was in this match. This is Minoru Suzuki destroying Okada 
and Okada getting in barely, barely being able to beat him at the end. I mean, I I cannot recall a single match with this style that New Japan's had in 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 years. Uh no. When when you put it that way, no. I don't think there's a match that had this kind of structure. Um, it 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 was a unique match from that point of view. Um, and look, it's it was Minoru Suzuki. I I thought who was at his absolute. This is peak Minoru Suzuki. You know, he had some matches in Noah that were very good, and he had some matches in Noah which felt like they were just endless, and 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 just um just excessively long, and and they weren't so good. And some people thought this match was that though, they, which was interesting to see the 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 decis- <clears throat> sorry uh, the decisiveness on Twitter because there were people that thought that. As well divisiveness is what you meant yeah. to say. Um, definitely, yeah, definitely not decisiveness. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, you're right. But, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, okay, so from my point of view, I thought Suzuki's performance was, was excellent. I thought this is, is, you know, when you get this maniacal, diabolical monster, which he is, and he's so great at, at, at conveying that sort of character, and I thought the work matched it this time. Um, just, just you know, obsessively going after Okada's leg after he attacked it at the press conference and attempting basically just to to maim the leg and rip it off. I thought, uh, so, and I thought a lot of the um, reversals and counters that you know where they ended up right back into that leg lock, leg lock were just brilliantly done because there were you know there were several points in the match where you're like, okay. Finally, Okada's going to get some momentum going, and whatever he's going to do here isn't. But there was Suzuki again, just rolling back into that knee bar, and that's what made this so compelling to me. Um, and I thought, uh, you know, you know, obviously, any, you know, it's getting so tiresome. Any match that's built around leg work, it just gets so tiresome because you have, uh, you know, a certain pocket of people who just it, nothing is ever good enough with with selling these legs. I mean, it it just. It, it it's just so tiresome even arguing against it anymore. Um, the the bottom line here, when it comes to to the legwork and and when it comes to Okada's performance, not, not to not to interrupt, but did you see a, a quote that Kenny Omega? Oh put? man, you stole my thunder. Yes, I. Oh, I'm sorry. I apologize. I, I was, <laughs> I'll just go back into my I was, hole. So. No, I was gonna go. Right to I'll just go back and cough in, in no, the mute I, land. So <laughs> I want you to get that ready and read it because I thought that was okay. a great quote. I'll go mute and cough and get it ready. So, but. but but yeah, but I mean, as far as, as when it comes to selling a leg, I mean, the only thing that matters, there's some people where it's just, it's unbelievable. It, it, we talk about it any time there's a leg match and nothing's ever good enough for, for, for a certain segment of fan. I really don't know what they expect. But what it really comes down to for me, and the only thing that matters when you're selling a leg, is have you convinced me that it's damaged? I don't care how you accomplish that. I don't care what means you use to accomplish that, whether it's through facial expressions, whether it's through... Um, uh, you know, uh, limping on the leg at every chance you get, or or if it impedes the offense that you're performing, or whether that means you can't stand at all, and whether that means uh, you can't put any way. I don't care what you do to achieve that goal of convincing me that that not even necessarily a leg, that that limb is damaged, as long as you convey it somehow. And I do think that there's some people that that there's they, they feel as though there's only one way to convey that, and that's to uh, uh, th- th- that that limb has to be completely taken out of the match to the point where you know you, you, I mean, and I'm not even exaggerating. There's people who get annoyed that a wrestler will run on a leg that's been worked on, uh, regardless of what else they do in the match to put over the damage. If they run the ropes 
or climb a turnbuckle, all of a sudden, it, you know, it, it, they're the worst worker ever and they, and they don't know how to sell a limb effectively, which is total bullshit because there's more than one way to skin a cat. And what I'm getting around the saying here is I thought Okada was excellent in selling the leg in this match. Mm-hmm. Did, I, did I think it was the greatest exhibition of leg selling of all time? No, I did not. Although I will say a few days later in Cork and Hall in the elimination match was one of the best exhibitions of selling a leg that I've ever seen. His performance in that elimination match was right up there with the, with the performance I always point to, Rich. You know where I'm going. Chris Masters yeah. on Superstars against Drew McIntyre, which to, this, to that point is, is the best selling of a leg I've ever seen. Yeah, well, which is actually kind of funny about that, not, not to kind of get completely off topic onto this, but uh, one thing that I've always loved about about selling and pro wrestling or whatever is, and, and this comes, again, I come from a sport background, and that's going to be the thing that, that with this Kenny Omega quote, which, by the way, uh, Joe, for, for your purposes, because I, God forbid, I actually speak a full paragraph without coughing, I put it in our show notes as well, the uh, the full quote, so you can, uh, you can read that. I, that's but, uh, Rich's way of saying, Joe, you don't want to talk <laughs> a lot, so you read it. But go. Yeah, there you go, exactly. But, um, no, the, the thing that I always love about, about selling and pro wrestling is, I feel like it's important that next day, almost more than it is in that match. And I know that's very important to some people that in the match you got to sell, in the match you got to convey what's going on or whatever. But we know, and, and, and anybody who's played a sport knows, anybody who's had injuries or has done physical things and, and knows what it's like is when you're doing that sport, a lot of times, I mean, I can't tell you how many times I played entire games of basketball on a really rolled ankle and said, fuck it, I'll worry about it tomorrow. I'll worry about it when I take my shoe off. I'm, you know, it happens five minutes into a game and, and, and I'm not going to go out of the game. I'm not going to stop playing because this happened. It's just, you know, it happens it, or, or you don't even notice it. Or the next day you wake up and go, oh, geez, my back is killing me. Oh, geez, my, my quads are on fire. Like it, it doesn't matter. You can run a marathon and, and have the same thing while you're in the moment, while you're running, you maybe don't feel that same pain. The shin splints don't hurt as much, but man, the next day when you wake up or, or, or when you sit down and you get up, that's when it hurts. That's when it really gets at you. And I think that's something that I've always you know, really looked at when people complain about selling, you know, in the match itself, I think there's a certain level to do it. Of course, there's, 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 you know, a way to sell that, that get, conveys it. That's not necessarily, I can't use my leg ever again. And oh my God, it's done or, or whatever. But I think it's really important then the next day to follow up or the next big event or the next match or whatever, the next visual of your character to then show the, the aftermath of that. Cause in, in my mind, you, you have Okada running on pure adrenaline in this match. You know, he's at the very limits of his body, and you can see it too. And that was one of the great parts about his selling throughout this entire match is is, is Gato knows it. The ref knows it. Okada knows it too, but he's, he's not going to give up. And everyone's like, all right, just give up, man. It, it, forget it. It's not worth it. And the announcers did a great job too. I was listening to Callis uh, uh, and, and Kelly on the uh, English feed, and they're like, you know, the, the classic example of, well, you have so much more to live for. I mean, is it worth winning this one match, Okada, and destroying your leg? Like, just tap out. It, it's a classic, you know, that's a classic sports MMA type thing where, you know, how, lo- how long do you want to go through this and how long do you want to damage yourself or do you just want to tap out and get it over with and, and live to fight another day? So I thought he did a great job of that. But then the follow-up was fantastic as well. I mean, that is really, to me, the most important part of selling is the next time, the next time when the adrenaline's out and you're walking down that ramp after the match, going, God damn, my knee hurts. That, that to me is so much bigger and so much more important than what happens you know, if you run the ropes 10 minutes after being in a leg lock. To me, that, 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 that's irrelevant because adrenaline's a thing and, Provi- and all this. Yeah. Well, provided that you get over the idea that that Yeah, exactly. Is, which, which I feel yeah, oh, yeah, did. Yeah. Um, oh, absolutely. No, and we're, we're not condoning, no, I mean, quote-unquote, no selling. We're not saying, you know, get a, you know your leg worked a bunch of time and then throw a sweet chin music and do a backflip and do it, you know. No, we're not saying that. But, like, when it's this nitpicky stuff about, 
Okada running the ropes or, or using his leg to to do a drop kick or whatever. You, you're allowed to do that when your knee hurts. I, you know, I'm allowed to play basketball even though my ankle's killing me. You, listen, I'm going to pay for it tomorrow. How many but... times have you watched an NBA game or an NFL game and you know there's a timeout and and the player limps off the floor at that point? The, the center from the Atlanta Falcons. Was playing with a broken fibula. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And you could see it. It was taped up, wrapped up, and he couldn't move it. He was lugging it around and going, hike, all right, boom. And, like, playing really well for, like... about Steph Curry in the entire NBA playoffs last year? Right. You know, especially after he took that (laughs) bump in the... Remember he took that bump in the finals where he he ended up... He did, like, the split, basically, on the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then for the rest of that series, basically, he limped off the floor every time there was a timeout. But then, you know, while the ball was in play, you 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 didn't know he was hurt. Now, look, and I know there's people screaming saying, okay, but this is pro wrestling. This isn't real sports. I get that. But again, as long as they convey, look, Okada, I could run down the list of things that he did in this match that were great. I mean, first of all, uh, Minoru Suzuki threw him into the ropes at one point, and he just collapsed under his own weight and didn't come off the ropes, which was a tremendous spot. Uh, there was a spot where, um, uh, okay, so there were times where, he, where Okada would do moves. Okay, uh, that involved his leg, and then he could not follow up on Suzuki as he normally could in a in a normal match because the leg wouldn't allow him either to rise to his feet or get to Suzuki in time. There were several spots like that. Um, he, one of, when he finally hit the rainmaker on Suzuki, and this was a brilliant spot too, because he didn't have the same power underneath him with the leg. The rainmaker was so weak that he that that it, it didn't nearly do the damage that it normally does. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. You know, so there were several examples of excellent selling. It's like of next level selling really. And and here's the other thing too. Here's how you know they got over the idea. And first of all, and I haven't even touched his facial expressions, his his screams like he was trapped in a dungeon somewhere and, and being tortured. I mean, he couldn't have sold it any better with the facial expressions and 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 with his mannerisms and with his just death screams that he was wailing out. And here's how you know that, that, that the psychology of this match was sound and that they got over the idea of the leg damage. Rich, you did not watch live. I did. I also had a friend here watching the match with me, uh, a, 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 a very, you know, quote-unquote smart fan. He knows the deal. He, <laughs> Is he an accurate star raider? He's an accurate star raider. Oh, okay, good. He came into this match like everybody else thinking that, you know, like, well, well, like a lot of people, not every, I shouldn't say everybody, thinking that Okada was going to get through this match uh, with the title and move on to, you know, whether it was Naito or, or Omega or whatever. Rich, halfway through this match, both of us, two grown men who came into this match thinking Okada was going to win, thought that the, it was going to be a ref stoppage. Thought that, and why, why did we think that, Rich? Because o- Okada did such a poor job selling the If he did a poor job selling the leg, we wouldn't have been convinced that the match right. was going to end. And watching live on Twitter and following via Twitter, there were tons of people who were convinced Suzuki was going to win the title who before the match thought Okada was a lock based on the work of the match. Listen, people, that means that the work was great. That means that they got over the idea of the leg damage if they convinced people that uh, Suzuki... That is what pro wrestling is! It's trying to convince... They, 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 they got this stuff over. They got everything over. The story they were trying to tell in this match got over with people because the work was great. It, it doesn't matter that Okada threw a fucking dropkick. Would, would it have been better if he didn't throw the dropkick? Maybe. But like you just said, uh, you know, five minutes, it's a nitpicky 
thing. Sure, I would have preferred if he went up for the drop kick and maybe didn't get up as high as usual, or if uh, you saw him maybe not able to do the drop kick because of that, or if he did his little neck breaker on the other leg instead of the leg that was worked on the whole match, which, by the way, after he did that move, he then sold the leg like, shit, what an idiot I am for doing it on that leg. And that was one of the moves he could not follow up on that I talked Mm -hmm. about earlier. There was so much great selling and so much great psychology in this match that to nitpick these little things, again, you don't have to, listen, I'm not going as far as Dave Meltzer said it was like the preeminent sell job of the century and it's just a, a landmark match when it comes to selling. I'm paraphrasing, of course, but that's essentially sort of, I don't necessarily agree with that. I thought Okada did an excellent job and there were little things that bothered me, but overall, that's such, that that's nitpicky stuff, man. Overall, big picture, I thought Okada did an excellent job here. I thought Suzuki did an excellent job here. Um, but there were little things I wasn't in love with. Rich, I know one thing in particular. Okay, let me read the Omega quote before we move on yeah, to yeah. selling. Here's what Omega had to say about uh, selling, and I quote. This is from Vice Sports, by the way. Yeah. There are a lot of people coming into professional wrestling with a clean slate. They've never done anything. They just, they've just had the genetics to build a good body, but they've never felt the pain and the struggle like a real competitive athlete would feel in another sport. So they don't know exactly how to sell a leg. Uh, end quote. This is the first part of the quote, Omega. Now, for a little background, he was a junior hockey player. So this is where he's right. getting any... A pretty big deal. A pretty big deal in junior hockey. Well. Yes, and he's had uh, several knee surgeries as well, for a little more background. End I quote. They're being taught this professional wrestling way by these old guys who also didn't have any sort of sports background as to how to sell a leg. I feel like when you sell that way, you come across looking like a professional wrestling fan that became a professional wrestler rather than someone who takes pride in their work. I would rather not insult the intelligence of real athletes that might be watching what we do. End quote. Basically what Omega saying is saying here is the over-exaggerated limb selling that a lot of these fans want to see is bullshit. And he feels it's insulting to real athletes. He feels it's insulting to him. He feels it's insulting to the viewer to sell limbs in those exaggerated ways where the limb is just completely incapacitated. Yeah, he says in a little bit of background, this is from the Vice Sports artist, so when, you know, needless to say, a former goalie knows a thing or two about knee pain, as his past two operations can confirm. Uh, so when Omega is, quote, selling a leg injury, he doesn't simply grab his limb and grimace the way a standard pro fair, a standard fair pro wrestler might. Instead, he goes to the ring apron or the middle rope and he tries to stretch it, not unlike the way Tampa Bay Lightning goaltender Ben Bishop tried in the middle of the 2015 Stanley Cup final. So, And here's my point here circle all the way back to my first point about the selling. There is more than one way to do this. There is more. I'm listen, I'm not selling. I'm not saying that exaggerated limb selling is necessarily bad. I appreciate that as much as the next guy. What I'm saying is, and what I said at the beginning of this diatribe, it doesn't matter how you accomplish it. All that matters is that you convey to the viewer that that limb is in danger. And, and any way that you arrive at that, it, it, it really it doesn't it doesn't matter how you get to that point. Just get there. If Kenny Omega wants to sell it the way that a real athlete would sell it, as long as he can convey the idea that that limb is damaged, he has done his job. I feel like Okada more than more than did his job on this night because he fooled a lot of people into thinking that that Suzuki was going to win this match. And look, Suzuki had a lot to do. With it. Suzuki's a great pro wrestler. Yeah. Okay. He had a lot to do with it too. 
Yeah, nobody conveys like danger, a methodical danger, quite like you, you know, it's not a it's not a wild animal like danger that some guys do, but it's very much like a methodical like like this guy just knows how to destroy you, <laughs> you know, mentally and physically, and that's absolutely what Suzuki did in this match. And let's be completely honest, there's also a segment of people, a small segment of people who simply don't like Okada, and they're just going to look for things to focus on. And t- those are the kind of people that's just noise. You just if if that annoy, I see a lot of people getting worked up. Just you can't listen to that. Okay, these are people who just aren't being fair. They don't like the guy, and they, you know, and selling. Like I've always said, selling is the red herring, man. If you don't like a, a promotion or a wrestler or, or or the people participating in a match, whatever the case may be, the easiest way to take that down is to pick. I could pick on selling in any match. You show me a pro wrestling match, I will show you issues with selling. It's, it's the easiest thing to pick on. It's the low hanging fruit, and a lot of times. People use that as their red herring to disguise, uh, you know, their 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 bigger picture goal, which is just either tearing down a wrestler or a promotion. Now, I'm not saying that it wasn't valid to have some selling issues with this match. Some of the issues I had with this match, Rich, number one, I thought the 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 really long leg uh, knee bar spot, you know, the one I'm talking about, after Gato was taken out, um, there was a there was a long knee bar spot where Gato threatened to throw in the towel. I thought that spot was incredible. I thought the camera work was incredible. You had Taichi encouraging Gato to throw the towel. Yeah, the yeah. camera was sort of over the Taichi's Owen Hart roll. Yeah, the perfect Owen Hart roll right there. And, and yeah, and it was just such a great visual with that camera shot over Taichi's shoulder, egging Gato on to throw in the towel. That spot was great. It was the really long extended one after that. After Suzuki took out Gato on the floor, because now Okada's locked in this knee bar, and Gato's not there to save him. Okay, and that was the and Don Callis did a great job getting that over. Kevin Kelly, who I thought was great all night, was terrible during this match, in my opinion. And he was terrible during that long knee bar spot. There was no emotion in his voice. He wasn't putting over the severity of this of the situation that uh, Okada was in. No, he, he, his emotions didn't change at all. And that was the key spot in the match. I'm thinking maybe if I saw this spot, if I was watching in Japanese, I wouldn't have disliked as much as I did. But I just thought it was egregiously long to the point where it was like, okay, this is overkill. Because now it, 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 he's been in this knee bar far too long. But, I, but I, again, I didn't watch the Japanese version. They were probably just going mental like they always do, and it probably added drama to it. Whereas Kevin Kelly just completely with his lack of emotions took and, – and, and it almost felt like Don – Callis got it and Kelly didn't. The idea was there's no Gato to save him. But I did think that that spot was a little long. Another problem I had with the match was the Suzuki gun run-in. Now, I know that they got thwarted very quickly and the idea was to show that Okada was able to fight them off and that his pals came down to help him out and that this wasn't and, – and that was to establish that no. This is not going to be one of those Minoru Suzuki uh, sort of matches where he gets away with murder. Chaos was going to make sure they were going to take care of that, and this was going to be between these. I get it. I understand the purpose of the spot. I didn't hate it from that perspective, but here's my problem. At the point that that ran it, run-in occurred, the match was on the verge of becoming an all-time classic, in my opinion. Yeah. It was, mm-hmm. so, it was right there on the verge of becoming great, and I actually turned to my friend and said, oh, could the timing have been worse for this run-in? If they were insistent on doing that spot to establish that story, which I don't really have a problem with, it should have been way earlier in the match. I felt like that really killed a lot of the great momentum that they were building in the match. My, my criticisms of the match were, and, and, and full disclosure, as you said, I watched it not live. I watched it a few days later, 
and I watched it spoiled, which I think really, and when I was done and I, I was kind of going through Twitter accounts and, and reading what people thought of it, I was surprised that as many people liked it as they did because I was kind of like, eh, it, it was fine. Like, it was okay. I didn't really think it was like an all-time classic. And I really do think that the difference in this particular match, we talk about it all the time, but there are some matches that, that are fine watching a week later, two months later, you know, years later, whatever. And there's some matches that if you're not there in the moment can radically change how you think of a match, can radically alter your excitement level of the match, radically alter you know what your takeaways of the match were. I went into this match knowing Okada won. So for me, even though I really appreciated the work, and, and for me, the long leg spots were not an issue. Either one of them I enjoyed because, again, like Okada was doing such a great job of conveying the pain and, 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 and making me, even though I knew he won, think, oh, geez, wow, he really looks. But at no point did my brain say, okay, Maybe Okada does lose it. Maybe I read this wrong and Okada does lose. You know what I mean? I can never separate that. So when I'm watching this, knowing that Okada is going to get out of it anyway, and me, again, waiting for when that finish is going to come. Me saying, okay, I know Okada's going to win. He's in this leg lock. How does he get to this finish now? How does he get to this next step? Then when I saw what, what, what happened with how he got to the next step, for me, it was all way too fast for Okada to get back, you know, after, what, 35 minutes, or, or, or I think literally 35 minutes of, of his leg being destroyed, Okada just kind of in the last five minutes just goes, goes, goes. You know, of course, as you said, he's, he's selling the leg while he's doing this, but he basically just out of nowhere gets going, gets his momentum back, and then it wins and it's over. And I felt like that the end was just way too quick for what had been just an epic struggle, and I thought Okada needed a little bit more of a struggle, and I think I thought Suzuki needed to show a little bit more in Okada's comeback to prove, no, 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 I have the advantage in this match. You might you, you might be getting this flurry right here, and you might be doing a little bit right here, but I, I have been beating you down for 35 minutes. I'm not tired either, because there's really no reason that Suzuki should be all that tired or, or all that, you, you know, he's pretty fresh in this situation. He's just been kind of working around and, and laughing and, and giggling and sticking his tongue out and, and just kind of playing with this kid. So I thought that would have been a little bit better of a, if, if they had more of a back and forth at the end. If, if Suzuki had then, you know, in the middle of Okada's comeback, gotten his own little comeback to say, no, 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 I, I'm still... And then maybe Okada then pulls it out or whatever. But I thought it was just all too fast. I thought it was just way too quick of, a, of an Okada finish. And it felt to me... And this isn't a one-on-one -on -one comparison, so so people don't get mad or whatever. But often we see this in WWE. It's the, the classic big-time main event babyface thing of WWE where beat down, beat down, beat down. Okay, Superman punch, pin, done. And I was like, ah, you know, I don't like it when WWE does it. And I didn't really like it when New Japan did it here, though they did a little bit different. And again, it's not a one-on-one -on -one comparison. But when it was over, I had that same feeling of like, geez, Okada, you know, it was dead for 35 minutes. And then in five minutes, he's okay and he wins. And, and I thought that was just a little too much for me. I, I, I didn't like that. And I'm not saying Suzuki had to win, but I think there were ways to do it where it would have been a little bit better. And, and, and full disclosure, again, like I said, I knew Okada was going to win. So I think that that does alter how I thought of the match as well. Yeah, I would think coming into the match, knowing Okada wins would completely destroy a match like this because then there's zero drama in, in the long knee bar spots, which is really what the match was all about. I mean, if you take away the drama of those long knee bar spots and whether and whether the referee is going to end it or whether Okada is going to tap. Uh, because in real time, the referee and Okada and Suzuki were so good in those moments. Yeah. But that is taken away from you if you watch the match spoiled. Mm -hmm. So, and, and I enjoyed the, the 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 performance of that. You, you know what I mean? Like that. Here's where I kind of take away from the match, and this is why I probably have a different feeling than, than a lot of people, or at least people that watch it live. Is is I thought they did a fantastic job of that spot, and I'm thinking it from a performance level. But I don't have that same drama level. I know Okada's going to get out of this leg lock. I know Okada is going to win 
So while I can appreciate how cool it looked to have Gato with his, you know, with that towel nearly throwing it in, or Okada telling him no, 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 and and, and him grabbing the rope and the camera work and all that, I can appreciate all that. But I don't have it on that same level that people watching it live might have went, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god. I didn't have that the roller coaster of emotions at all. I'm just saying, oh, that's cool. Oh, I appreciate that. Oh, that's really cool. That's cool. And that's a whole different feeling. That's a whole different takeaway from the match. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, I I know when I was done watching this, it, it was it was I struggled with because I did review this for the site and I did struggle putting a star rating on this because I knew what I watched was great. I knew that I was watching two great individual performances with the two wrestlers, but there were like those two key things that I did not like about the match uh, that definitely took it down. And I really struggled uh, with rating it. I mean, because once it's, it's, you know, I wanted to go like four and a quarter, but I, I felt it was a little better than that, but I didn't think it was four and a half because now you're bordering on match of the year territory. And I don't think it was a match of the year contender. Um, it, it's like, I wanted to go like four and two fifths, Rich. And, uh, but there's nothing, there's nothing stopping you. Go. You know, if Dave Meltzer could throw out six, can I throw out? Four yeah, right. Fifths? Exactly. Can I exactly. Yes, you can. So, yes, you can. Uh, you, know, I'm, you know, next time this happens, I'm going four and two fifths. Okay. <laughs> because I think I put four and a half on it, but I, I don't feel like it was four and a half, but I think it was better than four and a quarter. I need to, I think I need to invent four and two fifths, but, uh, but yeah, overall, very enjoyable, very unique. Wasn't the match I was expecting, but maybe with Minoru Suzuki, you know, you know, he had that great match with uh, Tanahashi with zero near falls. So uh, yeah. several years ago in 2012. So he's just such a unique pro wrestler. He's really great. I mean, Suzuki is really great. I mean, we all kind of forgot that because we were tired of the Noah run, but we were more tired of the booking than we were him necessarily. And really, they faced him out in year two. I mean, year two of the Noah run, he wasn't the guy. Let's well, he was in the undercard. That's right. I mean, he was just kind of toiling away doing whatever. I mean, it, it was fun what he was doing, but yeah, it was it was completely. It different. was Takeshi Segura that was the that was the pushed right. uh, title uh, contender of the group, and he exactly he was phased down. He was working with Kiyomiya and people like that, and and I think we 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 forget how how great Minoru Suzuki is, and how I mean, he can he the thing about him is he can work. He could be great for a number of years moving forward because his style, you know, he doesn't take big bumps ever. And his style is based around submission holds and leg locks and knee bars and setting up the gotch pile driver. Mm-hmm. And, and there's really no reason why he can't stay healthy enough and, and, and be a great pro wrestler in this style for a number of years moving forward. And, and, and I think that the Noah run – uh, because we were all tired of the booking uh, in the Noah run that maybe and, and for the fact that the second half of that Noah run, he was kind of downplayed and Takeshi Segura was the title contender of Suzuki Gun and Suzuki was on the undercards, you know, fucking around with Kiyomiya and people like that. They, he really was only a main focus there the first year of that Noah, that second year of that Suzuki Gun invasion. He was sort of down on the card. So, you know, this this is a great pro wrestler that maybe we've we've forgotten was great until, you know, I, I know he had some pretty good matches in Noah, but nothing like this. And, uh, well, maybe not in your opinion, Rich, Rich you gave this, would you, I went three, I went three with this I, one. And again, like I said, I, I think the entire difference was me not watching it live because I appreciated the, the, the performance of it. And I did all that, but I, I didn't have the same emotion. And when it was over, I kind of was like, all right, it's fine. But I, I just, yeah, I, I really couldn't go any more than three. Aside from the two great performances between the two individuals, I think there were a bunch of spots in this match that I thought really took it over the top. Number one, how about when Okada went for the gotch-style tombstone 
when he had Yeah, that, that was pretty sweet. Yeah. And how about uh, the other spot, which I thought for sure you would bring up, and I gave you a chance, but you didn't, so I'm going to bring it up. When <laughs> when he he used the Rainmaker, but it was really weak because he was all his legs were all fucked up, and he held on to Suzuki's wrist, calling back to the two Tanahashi matches. But then when they got to their feet, Suzuki just punched him in the face to break it up, which I thought was yeah. Well, what's interesting about that too, and I, and I guess my kind of my thought with the end of this match as well, and I guess we can get, kind of get a little bit big picture if we want. But um, my thoughts were this was a performance where Okada really didn't look like the dominant figure in this one. You know, he looked like he 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 was caught off guard by by Suzuki returning and Suzuki gun returning and and Suzuki beating him up at the press conference and taking out his knee then and then the approach that Suzuki took in this match. I think he was all caught by surprise with all of it. And what was interesting too, and and uh, somebody I believe on our forums mentioned this that. The really cool spot too, and this is why it's so important to do big moments and big things like this, and and and, and this rich clutch, the wrist clutch, because what now he can do is is every time that he does that, everybody's going to look at that and go, okay. And what's going to happen is the moment when someone just just reaches down and slaps his wrist off, and then does their move and pins him is going to be such a big deal. You know what I mean? Because that's what has saved him so many times now. Is Okada has been down and out, or or. You know, maybe there was a chance that this guy could get away, but he held onto that wrist and then he destroyed him. And, and Suzuki, in a way, you know, he punched out of it, which was really cool, and I enjoyed that. It's not quite the same. I think there's going to be a huge moment. I don't know when it's going to be, but when 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 Okada grabs someone's wrist and then they just swat it away, and then hit whatever move it is, whoever it is that defeats him, that's going to be such an incredible moment. It's because they've built that up, because they built it up that this is one of his things that Okada does this and uses this and utilizes this at the end of matches. To sort of end his opponent, and when someone will break free of that wrist clutch, it's gonna be a huge moment, and that's really cool. That I, I like when you do that. I love next level of processing storytelling. That's what we're getting with. That. Yeah, and 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 that's what Okada's been about, uh, you know, lately, especially over the last year or two. One of the weirdest complaints on Okada is that it's just ah, it's the same old shit. He doesn't evolve. <laughs> yeah, what are you talking about? I, we have I, different I, TVs. I feel yeah. like they're not watching the same wrestler as me. I mean, this is a guy who is like the antithesis of the same old shit. And who doesn't evolve? And you just gave a good example. And I wrote about this in the review. But if you look at his last few title defenses, you look at the two Marafuji matches. You look at the Omega match. You look at this Suzuki match. I might be forgetting one or two. But the, 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 the theme with these recent Okada defenses is that he really he gets dominated. And he's got to figure out a way against veteran opponents. Uh, stronger opponents, um, uh, you know, uh, nastier opponents, faster opponents. And, and he's sort of at this point in his career where he has to figure out how to overcome that stuff because he's still the junior to all these guys. Marafuji's been around forever. He's in mid Suzuki's 49 years old. Tanahashi was the previous ace. Uh, you know, Omega's, you know, 34 years old. These are all guys with with that experience edge on him. And I think that's a deliberate story that they're telling with this guy. And, you know, he's creeping up on 30. It's not always going to be that way for Okada. Very soon he's going to enter the portion of his career where he is the senior uh, person, where he's taken on the up-and-comers. And you're going to see a different kind of psychology in those matches. I think we're, we're – and, and this is how I titled my review. I think we're in the midst of viewing right before our eyes – the transition of this guy as the ace. This is a very important part of his career. Uh, and I think that, that these are very deliberate stories that he has to overcome these guys and overcome the th- things that are happening in these matches. So Okada, to me, I mean, I, I think the guy's a brilliant pro wrestler, and I think there's a lot of little brilliant things that he does uh, that, that maybe people don't notice they're not paying close enough attention to, like all this wrist clutch stuff that you just talked about. The rest of this show, we had the three-way IWGP tag team title match 
uh, with Chaos retaining. Now, here's the thing with these three ways. I hate the booking of these three ways. I'm never going to jump on board with these three-way tag team matches. I don't like it in New Japan. I don't like it anywhere, but I really don't like it in promotions like New Japan um, you know, where it's, it's, it, where I take it a little bit, you know, I can live with it in WWE. I really hate it in new Japan, but I will say this. They've done two of these in a row. Now they did one at wrestle kingdom. They did one here. The match is always over deliver. I really like the wrestle kingdom three way. And I thought this one was even better. I thought everybody worked hard. I just, I, I, I don't want to see these three ways. Cause I don't like the booking. Um, yeah, I'm kind of the same way. I, I thought the match itself, I actually enjoyed when <laughs> Yana wasn't in it, I don't know if anybody else had that same thought. Or that's kind of what I came away with it is because when there was different points where you know Ishi was was with Archer or you know Hanma and Makabe were, were with Dave Boyce Smith Jr. There was every combination. I'm like, yeah, this is cool. This is cool. This is cool. This is awesome. Okay, I'm enjoying this. And then Yana would come in and everything would screech to a halt every single time. And I I don't know if that's just me personally because I'm so over the Toru Yano thing, but that really took away from this match because there was momentum being built up with with. And I guess it kind of speaks to your point too. Is you would see this little tra- you would see Ishi going against like Dave Boy Smith and, and Archer, and it was really cool. Or, or you'd see Makabe and Hanma building a little mini program with, with KS or whatever, and then they would tag out, and then it's like, okay, well that team's gone now, and where the hell do they go? Or, you know what I mean? Like, and that's the issue where if it was just one on one, if it was just one team versus one team, you can tell a better story because they weren't able to really tell any stories here. It was just like. 15 minutes of these guys running in, doing their spots, doing their things, and then getting out of there. And there was these little micro stories that were kind of developing throughout the match. But when they just tag out or when they when another guy comes in the ring and then that guy's now in the – it just it, – it takes away from that. It really just hurts that idea of telling a story and, and being able to tell a really good you know narrative throughout an entire match. Because this one, which I thought was worked well, it just didn't have any story. I mean when it was all said and done, what, what, what did you take away from this match? What do we learn? What nothing? And, that, I mean, that's, and that's why you you can't do these three ways because you can't. Yeah, I mean, Yano tricks everybody again. I mean, that's I guess what we learned from this. Yeah, match, but. And, and again, if you're tired of Yano, which you are, and you know, I I only enjoy Yano in very small doses. It's I don't like him anywhere near the top of the card. He just it overdoes it for me. I, I'm I'm not you know, and it's like I know people say they love him in the G1. I'm tired of it by night three. I, I just yeah the first night is cool the second night is like ah and then three you're like oh god all right. it's like enough is enough <laughs> go away I mean yeah, you want right. to talk about the same old shit I mean that's the guy to point to I mean I just you know while he's pointing at himself but I mean yeah so look these three ways both of them have over delivered I it's it's but the, the booking you know can go straight into trash I it, it it feels lazy it feels like you don't know what to do with all these teams you just throw them all in the ring at once we saw it with the juniors for years. Now we're not getting out with the juniors anymore, and now we're doing it with the heavyweight tag. We just can't get rid of this shit. Uh, Hiroki Goto against Juice Robinson, the biggest match of Juice Robinson's career uh, by far. I don't even think it's close. Um, And I think he acquitted himself well. I thought that this match had excellent psychology. The story that they told was Juice was not in the same class as this man, which is the right story to tell. So he attacked him at the bell, tried to jump him and take advantage of that aspect of it. Goto fought back, and then basically Juice Robinson fought from underneath for the remainder of the match until he fired up with his fighting spirit at the end. And uh, he was not going to outfight Goto, but I think that the idea was he wasn't going to go down without that fight. And then Goto just overwhelmed him, beat the shit out of him, uh, gave him some wacky new version of the GTR, like with him draped on the second rope, which looked nasty as fuck. Then gave him the standard version and put him away. I love the story that they told. I thought the work was sound. I thought that this uh, this showed that Juice 
uh, can do some things with some of the guys at the top of the card. And I really like this match. I think I went four stars on it. Very enjoyable. I don't know what you thought of this match at all. I don't think I've seen, read, heard any of your thoughts. So I'm curious to hear what you thought of Goto beating Juice Robinson. Yeah, I'm actually right with you. I thought this was my might have been my favorite match on the entire card. And I was kind of surprised that I didn't hear more about it when it was going on. And when I was looking back through our, our, our Twitter feed, because I was on watching and I went, holy shit, that was awesome. Like, and, and it wasn't awesome in the classic sense. Again, it wasn't an epic match, but it just told a really cool story. I thought where juice knew that he was outclassed and knew that this is a big moment and I got to do everything I can. And, and everything in my, in, in anything that I can possibly do in this match, I have to try to do it. I might not win, but I want to uh, look like I belong. And, and I think that was the point of this entire match is juice looking like he belonged. And, and it was obvious that Goto was better, that Goto was more of a veteran, that Goto was going to win, that Goto should win, that, you, you know, but, but juice, when it was all said and done showed, you know, I'm not far off. I'm, 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 I'm there. I'm close. I'm not there yet, but I'm going to get there pretty soon. And I think that's a really cool story because it doesn't always have to be a neck and neck thing. It doesn't always have to be where at every moment I think, oh my God, is Juice Robinson going to win here? Oh my God, you know, everything is a 50 50. This was not a 50 50. There was not, you know, we, I, I, you always laugh when I, when I talk about the odds of, you know, winning the Royal Rumble. You know, everybody has a one in 30 chance of winning the Royal Rumble. No, they don't because some people are better than others. You know, Goldberg has a better chance to win than Fandango or whatever. And that's, that's just the way of it. And, and this wasn't a 50 50 match. I mean, Goto was the heavy favorite. He was, you know, any anybody with betting odds is going to put their money on Goto to win this, and 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 rightfully so. And Juice knows that, and Juice understands that he's an underdog. And and, and I thought he did a really good job of working like an underdog and, and doing different things throughout the match to prove and to show, you know, the viewer that he knew that he wasn't as good. So he had to take a little bit of shortcut. He had to charge him at the bell. He had to do this. He had to do that. And and when it was all said and done, you know, he lost, and Goto kind of put him away in divisive vest and, or, or, you know, really made him look, you, you know, kind of silly at the end. But that that's fine, because I think you want to prove that there there's a hierarchy and the juice isn't quite there yet, but at least he can afford himself, and at least he can look like he might be there pretty yeah, soon. Yeah, he, That's a cool story. Yeah, he beats Goto in the tag match, <laughs> which, which as Rich, he's going to die. I didn't get to the mutant time. I did not. I tried. He beats Goto in the tag match, and then a couple nights later, he he eliminates him from the elimination match when they're the last two guys left. So they're showing that Juice is like almost there, but this match showed that Goto is still a clear step above him, which was the which is good. Story. That's a good story to tell. Exactly I mean, don't the perfect I, story. To tell. I, I don't like. I don't want my entire roster to be a big blob. We talk right. about the WWE blob all the time, where you know everybody exists in this blob and they can move in and out of the blob whenever they want. New Japan, no, no. <laughs> you know, Juice, Juice is in this class. Goto's in this class, and because we see what's funny too is when Goto goes to the next class, he kind of gets outclassed a lot of times. Yes. And then he's got to move back to this class and dominate this class. And, you know, but that's cool. I like these ideas of having these sort of men. Somebody does not do this anymore. Right. And I really wish they would where you have a random guy get a big title match. And it's like, oh, geez, I don't understand why this guy's getting a title match. But, you know, he got a few falls on this guy. So kind of cool. And then he just gets out class. And it's like, oh, well, yeah, he got lucky and he got a few different, you know, pinfalls here and there. But it's obvious he's not as good as John Cena or whatever, where but but they don't really do that. Everybody's kind of in the blob. And, and this was cool. I really this is it was different, which I love. There's tears here. And, mm-hmm. and and WWE, they're sort of you're either one of the two or three ultra you're John Cena, Undertaker or, you know, a tippy top guy. And then there's everybody else. There's 80 percent of the rest of the guys. And then there's your Fandangos and your Ascensions. There's basically, like you said, a giant blob in the middle of all these guys who are the same. And if they're baby faces, they're really good. And if they're heels, they can never win without shenanigans. And that's why it's so frustrating sometimes to watch that company. Where here, there's very clear tears, and Goto's very clearly a step above this guy, and this is what the, the story that they told. And you're right; you made a good point. When Goto steps up in class, 
He loses his IWGP heavyweight title matches. What is mm-hmm. it? 0-8 or 0-9. 0-9 <laughs> now, I think, right? You know, he'll, he, he loses a G1 final against Kenny Omega. And, you know, he, he can't beat the Tanahashis and the Okadas. And that's, you know, that, that that's – that's and, and here that's the double-edged sword of the tiered system in New Japan. It leads to a lot of predictable finishes, especially in tag team situations and things like that. But it also leads to cool stuff like this where guys can move up or even move down the card and, and you kind of can have a – feel for where they are in terms of where they're tiered. And I, and I agree with you. I prefer that system. And maybe that's why we get wrapped up in this promotion more than we do WWE. Who knows? Rapongi Vice survived Taichi and Taka Mishinoku. I thought this match was shit. I didn't like it at all. I th- okay, good. I was. I thought I was on an island of my own because yeah, you are I, not. I don't. I haven't seen uh, anyone who said yeah. they like this match. It's universally panned. I'm, I'm uh, shocked that a Taiichi match sucked. I, I am just stunned by this revelation. It took forever to get going. You know, with his yeah. What was going on? I was like, I, I I thought my video froze or something or something was going on. I was like, what? We're not doing anything. What is going on? What are we? Oh and, god. And, yeah. and, and it's a shame because I thought um, Rapongi Vice. I think they're on the best run that they've had yet in New Japan. Oh, no doubt. I mean, not even close. And, and I, I, I like their individual performances here. And I thought Beretta in particular, again, was another. He's having a heck of a year. And not a lot of people are going to notice because he's in these mid to lower card junior tag team matches. And they're probably matches that a lot of people are skipping because, you know, you want to get to the, you know, the top of the card. If you're not a big time New Japan fan, you're just going to want to watch the key stuff. Beretta in particular, we know Rocky's good. We know Rocky's an excellent pro wrestler, but Beretta is really having an excellent year in this company with these subtle performances in these tag matches. I thought he was great here. This was a, a weird match again where one team was really great in their performance, but the other team and really just the other guy, I mean, Taka was just there. I, you know, and, and Taichi is just so frustrating and annoying to watch uh, that it really dragged the match down. And I, I, I did not like this, but I was happy that Rapongi Vice retained. And I just assumed that you just hated it. Yeah, I hated it. <laughs> I thought, I, same, same thing like you mentioned. It just wasn't – it just couldn't get going. And I think a lot of the momentum was stopped by Taichi and Taka. Because like I said, you, you summed it up perfect. Taka was a ghost. I don't even remember anything he did in the match. And Taichi is just not that good. He just moves around very weirdly. He just he, – he, there's clearly an athletic gap that he's not uh, – Yoshitatsu – yeah, Yoshitatsu was very similar as well. Or when you watch these guys in these rings – and maybe a few years ago it wasn't obvious, but now when you watch Taichi against a guy like a Beretta and against a guy like a Romero or or when, you know, the match prior that you're going to talk about here and, and you see the talent up and down the card and then you see this guy and you go, my God, he's nowhere near these other guys. You know, five, six years ago, he could kind of just fit around with the middle of the roster or whatever. This roster is so talented right now that he sticks out like a sore thumb. Just seeing his his awkwardness, just seeing the lack of athleticism he has, it just doesn't work anymore in this company. This company looks so much better you know, everybody else in this company is so much better than he is, and it sticks it, it, like a sore thumb. He looks like the worst wrestler on the roster now. And that, that to me, I can't get over that, watching him in the ring and watching him move around as as weirdly as he does. He's just, and it's not like an, a, an attempted weirdness. It's just, he, it's just how, kind of how he moves and how he works, and he's just not a very athletic dude. And it, it really has shown recently. And I think that now in his return, when you see him against these other guys and you see the rest of the talent up and down the card, and you go, oh, my God, this guy's nowhere near the class of these other guys. Nowhere near. And it's just a style I don't want to see. I mean, I, you know, I, I, in the pre, again, I always say this, but you do these sorts of things in the prelims. I don't mind. I don't want to see this guy getting title shots. And unfortunately, uh, Desperado and Kanemaru 
Yoshinobu Kanemaru, uh, they beat Harai Kawato and Kushida in the opener, which I thought was an excellent opener, by the way. Yeah, I, yeah, it was. I enjoyed that match a lot. A lot of it was, you know, this Kawato, okay, look, he reminds me of, sometimes you could just tell, look, I don't think this guy's ever going to be a big star. I just don't. Um, the, uh, the river people, uh, Kawato. <laughs> Super Seri. Uh, yeah, river people, Super Seri. So. Uh, but I mean... The, if he goes under that gimmick, he might be a star. The one thing that he has, though, is he has this underdog charisma to him. And it's not just because he's a young lion. I think he's going to be one of these guys who is just going to, even as a veteran, be an excellent underdog who garners sympathy. And it's one of those things where I don't think you can try to be that. I think you just it, – it's just one of those natural uh, – it's a, it's a certain kind of charisma that some guys have where they just garner uh, sympathy naturally, and I think he's going to be one of those guys. And I thought this match was a good example of that. Uh, you really want to pull for this guy, you know? But at the same time, I, you know, I feel like he's going to be one of these guys where you don't want him to win too much though because it will ruin that. You know, he's, he's got to be yeah, this kind right. of guy that loses most of the time. And you save those big wins for special. I think really that's what his future is going to be. And that's yeah, I don't, I don't see star on him either. But I see like solid roster member for for many years uh, off of him. Which and like you said, the same reason. I mean, he's got a little bit of a baby face. He kind of looks like a child still, and and he is literally still a child. So it, it does yeah, he's work. Nineteen years old. Bit. Yeah, he's nineteen freaking years old. So I guess we'll have to see what happens. You know, as he ages and and, and how he, you know, his body kind of comes to form. But right now he's perfect as like the little guy that 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 people kind of beat on and and, and take it advantage of or whatever which is is good and he's he's perfect in the role and he's he's getting that aspect of it and that's something that you always want and i thought up and down this card and we'll talk about you know in a few other matches as well i thought the young lions afforded themselves great here i don't know that we're really looking at you know a ton of stars in this crop but every single one of these guys you can see it every time they come out that they're improving and they're getting better and there's little tweaks that they're making and and that's the best part about watching these young lions we got spoiled you know of course with the jay whites and the david finleys and, and and the kamatsus and the tanakas or whatever where those guys within you know a few months were awesome and having the best matches on the entire card or whatever these guys are never going to be that but they're solid roster members and that's all you can ask and it's fun to kind of watch that progression where you see a Kawada get a little bit better here and there and get get an idea of the mannerisms and, and, and be able to get a crowd behind him and that sort of stuff, which is that's the basis of learning pro wrestling is is, is controlling that crowd and getting them invested in you. And he, he's getting that Bingo. already. He's got cool. crowd connection already. Yeah. And it's not forced. It's like I say, it's sort of this natural thing that about him where this was great. Again, this was another match with very sound psychology and a good story where he just he 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 told Kushida, "No, I want to start the match." And Kushida, <laughs> right, and like, Kushida's, right. yeah, that was Kushida's <laughs> okay. yeah. his shoulder and saying, "All right, well, you go for it, kid." <laughs> and then El Desperado and Kanemuro just proceed to murder this this child. They <laughs> right. Killed him. You know, they beat the living shit out of him until Kushida was able to make the hot tag. And then, of course, they overwhelm him in the end. And then they attack Kushida after the match, which on the English feed, Don Callis was. Uh, uh, very smart to point out that that was them sending a message. And then, of course, the reason I, I, I circled back to this match uh, after the Rupongi Vice uh, match against Suzuki Gun is because Desperado and Kanemuro presented themselves as the next challengers for Rupongi Vice. I Look, I said that that probably should have been the match on this show. It would have been a much better match than Taichi and Taka. Yes. It would have yeah. been Desperado and Kanemuro. Those guys are just bad. And Kanemura's a guy, I mean, you know, he backdoored his way into New Japan, and when he when he cares, which he obviously does now, because he lucked out, bouncing from these you know, all Japan to Noah, and now he's in, all of a sudden he's in New Japan, he looks like he cares. So that would have been the better match, I think, um, uh, no question. So we may get that at some point. 
if I don't think enough's being said about how this dude <laughs> goes from just nowhere land and and back towards this is the the political move of the century. It really, right? it was it really was some <laughs> I mean, amazing maneuvering this. by this man. Go for people that don't know. Go over his the maneuvering that that Kanemaru did to be now in like featured big time matches. In yeah, Japan. so he was in all Japan at its very lowest point. Um, he was one of the guys the 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 guys who jumped from Noah a few years ago with Junakiyama and Atsushi Aoki and all those guys. Go Shiozaki. They all jumped to all Japan. All Japan just sunk to the lowest pot. I mean, they were about to fold. Um, you know, Akiyama buys the. Uh, well, they technically did. I mean, this is a whole new Japan company now, and people forget that too. That this all this what we know is all Japan Pro Wrestling is it is technically a different company than right. Akiyama essentially yeah. bought the intellectual property and, right, and exactly. reopened the company, but they they use the same lineages and everything. But technically, in the technical sense, it's a different company, and the old company did fold and cease to exist. Uh, and then when they were at their very lowest point under Akiyama, he wasn't getting paid. So he jumped to Noah. Uh, and then, you know, this was one of those guys. Then Goshiozaki followed after that. And, and Noah signed Nakajima, who was a freelancer, uh, technically, to a full-time contract. And what none of us knew was whether – and now this was when Bushiroad at this point was involved with Noah. And none of us really knew whether it was the Noah parent company signing these guys or whether it was uh, Bushi Road signing these guys to contracts. So when the Noah sale went down and Suzuki Gun was forced back to New Japan, we were all wondering if Yoshinobu Kanemura would come with them. Uh, and he did, which is amazing because <laughs> Takeshi Segera stayed behind. He was a member of Suzuki Gun at the time, but obviously under Noah contract. So he stayed behind. So I guess it was the Bushi Road money. We have to assume that he had a Bushi Road contract because he came back with all the Suzuki Gun boys, so he's gone from a promotion that literally died to a promotion that couldn't be doing worse at the time that that, that he left with Noah, and now he's in the biggest promotion in Japan, he's about to get a title match on, on <laughs> probably the New Japan, one of the New Japan Cup shows coming up. That's an all-timer right there. That is some all-time political maneuvering from a 40-year-old man who, what, maybe a year or a year and a half ago was not even getting paid by all Japan and it just amazing political maneuvering. And, um, you know, so, so here he is in new Japan and I look, it looks like he gives a shit again. This is a guy who, look, I know a lot of people are down on him, but I have seen too many good matches of his, you know, 10, 12, 15 years ago in Noah, when he was feuding with Kenta and Katero Suzuki and people like that. So that's when Noah was my favorite thing going. So I, there's a spot, you know, in my head where I, I can't bury the guy. And I, I think we're going to see some good things from him this year. Uh, he'll have some sleeper matches and best of the super juniors and maybe have some good tag matches too. Um, Dragon Lee, Hiroshi Tanahashi, Minabu Nakanishi, Michael Elgin, and Ryusuke Taguchi defeat all five members of Los Singabernobiles di Japan. Ten-man tag team match. Depending where you stood on the main event, this was probably the second or third best match on the show. Uh, at least in my opinion, uh, it started slow, but I thought it picked up by the end and it was a hot little 10 man tag. I think the biggest takeaway here, though, was that Michael Elgin came out after Tanahashi as sort of the uh, top member of the team, so to speak. Uh, I think that's a more important takeaway than anything that happened in the match, especially since a bunch of the guys in this match basically took the night off. Some of the guys worked hard. Um, but Elgin coming in last with his own entrance, I thought was uh, was was a little bit uh, with to his own music uh, too was, was an yeah, eye opener right. to me. 
Yeah, I thought this. I, I really enjoyed this match. I mean, I, not for any technical reason. I mean, it wasn't like a spectacular match, but but the characters in this match were were, were awesome. And, and and Dragon Lee is a guy that I really hope just hangs around, and, and it looks like he is going to be hanging around for a little bit longer and, and, and taking more dates because I think he fits great in this roster too. And he just looks like a million bucks too. And and we'll, we'll get to it in a sec. I know you want to talk about it. Everybody wants. To, we'll get to it in a sec, and you'll know what it is. Uh, in a moment, but yeah, I thought that the even to even to Gucci, I liked what he did in this match, and I thought again, we look at Tanahashi, and, and I think the story that we kind of thought that they were going to tell with Tanahashi, we're kind of seeing right now, where he's a guy that just doesn't want to let it go, that doesn't think that still thinks he's the shit, and he's really not, but it, it, it works well. It's a great little character he's got going right now, and he still thinks it's the biggest fucking deal in the world that he's the never open weight, you know, three six man tag champion, and it's the greatest thing ever. How happy! Hiroshi Tanahashi is. They have this stupid title. This title doesn't matter at all. 700 people have held it. Everybody's held it for like two minutes. This guy is main event in numerous Tokido, and he thinks every show... We gotta do a photo op, guys. Let's let's all stand around around our, our titles and let everybody know that we are the champions. I just thought this was... It, it was kind of goofy, this match, but I thought it was a fun goofy. You know what I mean? Like, this is exactly what I look for when I look for, you know, a, a match that's got a little bit of a fun to it, a little bit of... um character work and that sort of stuff. And I thought, the, again, you see Dragon Lee and you see Takahashi and, and you go, oh my God, these guys are just the greatest and I cannot wait for the, another match of those two. Those guys should just wrestle each other, you know, it, randomly once or twice a year for the next like 15 years. You know what I mean? Like they should always be linked. I would hate to not be able to see those two fight each other at least like a few times a year. And, and you're going to see them uh, wrestle each other in a couple days. So. Yeah, exactly. Because even there, even in four minutes to start off this match, you're like, Jesus Christ, these guys are just so good. Yeah. And they just kill each other, and they don't care, and they love they it. Just, they just work so well together. It's it's as classic of a, a combination of two wrestlers as you'll ever see. I don't care who you want to name. Psychosis and Rey Mysterio Jr., Dynamite Kid and Tiger Mask, Ric Flair and Ricky Steamboat. Uh, go right down the line. Lightning Kid and Jerry Lynn, uh, Okada and Tanahashi. Some guys just work great together and have tremendous chemistry. Uh, Eddie Guerrero and Chris Benoit, whoever it is, okay? Uh, it, 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 these guys are right there with them and better than a lot of the, the combinations that I just named in terms of uh, output, uh, in terms of great matches. And they're going to have another great one in Osaka. I have no doubt about that. Mm-hmm. So, and yeah, and they were the highlight of this one too when they were in there. So, uh, but Rich, how can we not talk about Dragon Lee's music? <laughs> I mean, it, that is it, yeah. I mean, this is just an incredible song. Somebody did digging and and found it uh, on the internet. It's called "Come Get It, Rich." This, <laughs> if you haven't heard this song, I mean, I feel like you should open the show with this song. I, I just, it, I, I maybe I, I might, yeah. I, I, might. I think the, the best part is they played it for like forty five minutes at the end of the match. Because, like I said, Tanahashi is just glad-handing with everybody and showing off his stupid little never-open-weight title. And this song is just playing. It play, they repeat it twice. That's the best part. Is they had to re- The guys in the truck or whoever that fuck does the New Japan overdubbing had to play this song twice because Tanahashi wouldn't get out of the goddamn ring. It was so great. The song makes no sense for Dragon Lee. Um, it's an incredible, like... It's royalty-free rap. So we'll, we'll play. Uh, you're listening to this now, even though you've already heard it. But yeah, I'm absolutely gonna play. Yeah, it. it's one of these if stock I can... royalty-free. Oh, I don't know if I can download it free though. Uh, you can play how many seconds of it, so. <laughs> but I don't. I don't know how to get it off the website. <laughs> That's a good point. Yeah. yeah. Well, let's see. I'm, I'm on the website now. All right. You're gonna have to link me. Here. I think if you, I can link you. That's no problem. What's it? What's it? Or just give me the uh, title. I think again. you can get it for free if for, if you want to use it for a podcast. There's no charge. Ah, yes. Here, I will. I will. I will provide you the link. Well, that is us. We are a podcast. I'm gonna. You can look this over. I'm pretty sure. 
know, some of the legalities here. I mean, of course, Billy Corbin gave us, you know, whole property to use his song. So. Well, you're under the you're under that 13 seconds. So. I do, I do keep it very quick. Which we didn't until he owned TNA, and then we said, ah, you know, we might as well just in case he listened. Yeah, there's there's your link if you want to take a look at this. All right. Now you you can come get it. Uh, <laughs> I know you you wanted to recite the entire song, um, the lyrics. I've listened, so I'll let you do that I've listened while I... to this song probably a hundred <laughs> times by now. Uh, my favorite bar from this song. Yes, please let. Yeah. Is uh, uh, what it do, ma? Just me and you, ma. That's my favorite bar of the song. Uh, so yeah, that, that, I, I may uh, may do a full length version of this rap at some point uh, for the listeners. I'm not going to do that. But did oh, you? License not available. Bid bid for this item. Like, look, you could just click podcast. I tried it. I did. It says license not available. It's got to sign in. Hold on, let me, let me sign up for this. Uh... It says perpetual use. I tried it. Just said I can't do it. I have to bid for it. He knows it's hyper. He's wondering all of a sudden. This guy. Whatever his name is, what's uh, what's Warner Chappelle? Yeah, Warner. He, he's all of a sudden he's seen a lot of hits on this. Like, Wait, hold on a minute. He's like, maybe I should be charging for come get. Yeah, hold on a minute. What's going on here? I wonder if he knows. Revenge like Montezuma. <laughs> really is a tremendous. I, I, I'm confirming my email right now. So continue as we uh, get on this quest. We're booking this song live on the air. Yeah. Uh, oh no. Where'd it go? This is not good. You know the worst part of this segment? <laughs> all of it. <laughs> Besides all of it, is if you successfully like, everybody's gonna hear it at the beginning anyway. Yeah, and then they're gonna hear this. Right. It's, 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 it's like it, yeah. You know what? Instead of that, what we're gonna do is play it over this. Instead of at the beginning, that might be a better idea. Because you're right. Because it will be ridiculous if we. Yoshihashi took on Takashi Azuki. <laughs> yeah, please, please, while I do this. This was terrible match number two. Actually, terrible match number one, since we're going in reverse here. Uh, there was really nothing to like about this other than Yoshihashi gets himself a nice little singles win on a pay-per-view uh, over Azuka. I was happy that there wasn't a DQ finish. I was happy that Yoshihashi won. But the match was certainly uh, nothing worth talking about and, and probably below average. Uh, even though Yoshihashi Worked his ass off as uh, Rich tries to uh, like. Okay, I can download a preview. So let me see how long this preview is. I it might it's be just in... two minutes and thirteen seconds. Well, I don't think it's the whole song. We gotta find, I gotta find out how long this. Pre- well, it's a preview. It's all, it, they're they're saying they're they're not gonna give me. I have to bid for the the full item ah, for a podcast. Well, so. you can find out what New Japan paid for it then. <laughs> exactly. Oh no! It, it, okay, you're right. I guess two thirteen. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I told you. There you go. Okay. Well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna play it over this then. This entire uh, that that last segment. What's now that we're now you're hearing it now? It's over. It's done. You've already heard it. What terribly constructed radio? <laughs> this is not exactly music of the mat that we're doing. No, Those guys we're, do we're, masterful job weaving well into the. Uh, Chris Chris knows what he's doing here. We're just he really there. does. We are. I don't know why people listen to us. And yeah. then we had a couple of prelims <laughs> here. Uh, there's really not much to say. Tenzan Kojima and Nagata. Defeated Hanare, Tomoyuki Oka, and Yoshitatsu. I like this one because those three said, you know what we're going to do? We're going to gang up on Kojima. And I was like, hey, what are you guys doing? And the, Kojima just chopped the fuck out of all of them. Actually, I do have some thoughts on Oka. Um, look, this is a guy that Kadani loves. This is a guy that Nagata loves. This is a guy that the company thinks is going to be a, a future stud and a guy who's going to feud with Okada into the future. And it's like I'm, I watch him wrestle, and I, I don't see him jump off the screen as any kind of future star. He doesn't have that quality that a Ben K 
or a uh, Takuya Nomura or uh, or somebody or um, uh, Higuchi from DDT. Those guys jump off the screen to me. And when I watch those guys, I think those guys are going to be fucking stars. I'm convinced of it. I don't get that feeling with Oka. But here's the thing, Rich. He's had seven matches in his life. <laughs> right. And maybe maybe we should wait a little. Maybe we should. If let there was it ever a time for pump the brakes, it is it is coming up with hot takes on Tomoyuki Oka. And I'll tell you <laughs> seven matches in this kid. I tell you, I, don't I know. just don't see it. But I mean, here's the thing: for a guy that's only had seven matches, he is he is very sound. I mean, he's got that beautiful belly to belly overhead suplex that he throws in every match now that I think looks great. Uh, he shows real good fire, like all the young lions do. And he's very technically proficient, I'll tell you. He better damn well be, since they had this guy in mothballs for about a year and a half and really treated him with kid gloves. They still haven't debuted the other guy, the other heavyweight. I can't think of his name, the big muscular dude that apparently is headed towards a one-on-one match with Billy Gunn after they had their little conference. Oh, the guy bursting at the seams because he's yeah, the, juice, the, juice out of his yeah, mouth. The yeah, the guy that, that legitimately failed PED testing in his, <laughs> and, and was kicked out. I can't imagine why. Yeah. I can't think of his name, though. Um, it's not Kanemitsu. Kanemitsu is the other guy, the other young kid. I, I can't remember the big guy's name. But, uh, but yeah, Oka's only had seven matches. And, and for a guy with seven matches, I mean, geez, he already looks better than a lot of these performance center clowns who get on – you see on NXT or even on the main roster for that matter – who have been training in this performance center for two, three years. So, I mean, yeah, but, but does he look like a star to me? No, but he also has, you know, they aged him 15 years by shaving his head. He's like the first guy in history who shaved his head and ended up looking older instead of younger, which. Yeah, he really does look like he's like 35 years old. 35? He looks like he's pushing 50 shaved head. <laughs> he really does. His shaved head exposes his receding hairline. Though he does kind of look like it, like even when he was like twelve, he looked like he was thirty-two. He's one, like he came out of the right. womb looking like he was like fifteen. He, or he's like, one of those Fedor Emelianenko guys that always look old. Like yeah, right. Fedor, but he'll look like that now forever. He'll be seventy and still. That's right. It's the Arn Anderson thing. The Arn Anderson right. Fedor thing. Fedor looked <laughs> right. the same when he was twenty-eight in like pride as he does now when he's fighting for, you know, whoever it's like for Bellator or whatever. It's like, he never ages, but the the downside is you're always old. Like you started old and then you just stay middle aged forever. You know that that's, you're right. That's kind of like what this guy has going on. And Hanare, I'll tell you, he busts his ass every time I see this guy wrestle. I, I don't know what he's going to be. You know what he's like? He's like a young Satoshi Kojima. He really is. He he's, if you go back and watch tapes of like a young lion Satoshi Kojima or when he first uh, got his first push, they work in a very similar manner. I think those are two guys. That's a guy that Hanare should study. And the other uh, prelim here was uh, Gato, Jado, and Willow Spray defeating Liger, Shibata, and Tiger Mask. Uh, this match wasn't very good at all. I thought it was a two-star special. I didn't even – you know, there was maybe one or two spots with those Spray and Shibata that were okay. But this was not – the Corican match they had about a week before where they were on opposite sides of an eight-man was much better. Osprey and Shibata were much better in that Corican match. I didn't like this match at all. I thought it was very dull. Yeah, no, no, it really didn't go anywhere. I mean, it, it was only like, what, six or seven minutes, but it, yeah. it felt like forever and nothing happened. And yeah, it, 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 it was not good at all. The, Osprey and, and Shibata had a few little things here and there, but yeah, for the most part, I, I don't even remember the other if guys. If you want to get hyped for Osprey and yeah. Shibata, go watch the Cork and Hall show. Yeah, this won't do it. This isn't a good go home segment for that match. I mean, go go watch. Yeah, go watch that one. Go watch the one where, the elimination where Bell rings. Yeah, Bell rings and Osprey just beat the fuck. I mean, that that's the really yes, fun that's the here, yeah one. the first Cork and match where they go right at it at the bell, and then the elimination match where Shibata eliminates Osprey first, 
and then Shibata dives over the he does a dive to eliminate himself because he hasn't gotten enough of Osprey yet, and then they brawl all the way to the back. So those were much better than the match they had here. This was New Beginning in Sapporo. I didn't think it was a great show. I thought it was an, a, a good show uh, with a couple of really good matches and um, uh, a couple of okay matches and three, three or four matches that really weren't good at all. I think in terms of New Japan big shows, this was uh, the first New Japan big show in a long time where I thought there were three or four matches that really were poor matches. Sometimes you get one or two. This one, you had the junior t- tag title match. You had the Yoshihashi Azuka match, and you had the match we just talked about. I thought were legitimately poor matches. And then the, yeah. the Tenzan six-man was, with, with Oka was just a match. And the rest of it was pretty good. But, you know, there were three matches there that, to me, were legitimately poor. Yeah, I feel, I feel kind of an idiot that we had that discussion a few weeks ago where, you, you know, you went over which card do you like better. And I was like, ah, oh, the Sapporo one I really do like. And, uh, yeah. Well, see, here's the trick, Rich. From someone who has a big mouth, I'm going to give you a tip. You don't bring up when you're wrong. You let other people bring If other people bring it up, you take the L. You know what I'm saying? But if you didn't say that, maybe no one would have remembered <laughs> You know, it's like no one would have remembered that you picked this show. You know, if someone calls you out, yeah, you'd be a man. But, you know, you could have gotten away with that. Uh, The DMs are blowing up here. Are they all wrong or what? No, no. This is a decent one. (laughs) Um, We can't read it, obviously. It's a DM. Uh, Okay, so Osaka's coming up on the 11th. Let's quickly run through this. We'll start at the top of the card. This is uh, the Osaka is the New Japan Army versus uh, Los Ingobernobles Japan uh, half of New Beginning. It was sold out weeks ago. As Rich reads the DMs, I can feel. Yeah, I can feel. Oh, that. yeah, you can feel me. Yeah, you can feel me doing it. Okay. DMs. Uh, okay. All right. I'm putting it away. It's going away. Uh, listen, you can read the DMs. I'll, I'll... No, no, it's nothing. I got it. Naito defends against Elgin. Dark Twitter claims that Elgin's winning this, um, <laughs> and and that to set up Naito to defeat Okada. Uh, what do you think, Rich? Do you, do you, no, not, I, no, I, I don't no. think it's impossible, so, but I'm not, it's not impossible, but I, I, I wouldn't call it likely. The problem is Naito always seems to get the better of Elgin. Uh, is this a chance for Elgin to get the better of Naito? I, I, I don't know. Um, again, if I was putting, uh, the, 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 the voices of wrestling percentage points on this one, I would go 75% Naito. 25% Elgin. The idea, though, on the Elgin side is that Elgin is winning the title to free up Naito to beat Okada. To me, that's a very similar story to last year. If Naito defeats Okada in the first quarter of the year and then they move on from it. So I, 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 I don't know. I feel like that, that'd be repeating the same story. I don't think it's uh, impossible. I just my gut is telling me that telling me that Naito retains. Yeah, I, I would say so as well. I mean, it would, again, like, would I be stunned if Elgin walks out of here? No, I don't think I would be, but I, I just I can't see it right now. I just don't know if the time is right for, for that scenario either. Aromu Takahashi defends against Dragon Lee. We talked about that match already. Look, uh, look, it's probably going to be the match of the night. Uh, if you're a betting man, you'd have to think it's going to be the match of the night. Hey, can you imagine? These guys are in the semi, man. They're going to kill it. Are you kidding? These guys are going to go nuts. They know. And what this tells me, they've really protected uh, Hiromu. They treated the junior title match at the Dome like something special. If you go back and look at the marketing of that show, they included that match in sort of the big four matches that closed out the show as one of the four key matches. Hiromu hasn't taken a loss in New Japan yet. And uh, to my not, I don't remember him. I don't think he's been pinned or submitted, right? I mean, he's been on the losing side of tags and things like that. Yeah, I'd have to see. Yeah, I'd have to look back, but I, I, I can't recall one. I don't remember. No, I mean, super protected. I mean, to set up this match, they had Dragon Lee attack him. 
uh, at Fantastic. Wasn't it? No, it was at New Year Dash, right? He attacked him out of the crowd. Yeah. Um, right. uh, and they've got Hiromu in the semi main event spot here on a huge show in Osaka. Look, they really like this guy. They're protecting him and they've got plans for him. So I think he'll beat Dragon Lee. I don't know if Dragon Lee's sticking around after this. If he loses, I would presume not. If he wins, obviously he has to stick around. I would like to see Dragon Lee in Best of the Super Juniors. I'm really hoping that happens. But I don't feel like the timing is right to beat Hiromu, so I don't see him losing the title. I think that they're, he's still in that period where he's ultra-protected, and they're establishing him as a, as, as a, uh, as, as a semi-main event guy, as a top-of-the-card guy. So I, don't, I just feel the timing would be all wrong for him to, to do a, a title trade here. Because if he loses it, he's winning it back. Yeah, and I don't like that either. I just like establishing one guy, and I think now is a good time to just let Takahashi have a nice little run with the title and let him be the dominant figure of the junior division for a while. I think that's not a bad idea. And Dragon Lee loses nothing by, you know, no one's going to care. If Dragon Lee loses this match, it's not that big of a deal. He can come back in a few months and and redo this again or win best of super juniors. There's many different scenarios you could do. But yeah, I don't think the time's right for him to, to win, and I don't think the time's right for Takahashi to lose. So I think that's a better result. The exact same tag team title match from Sapporo will occur in Osaka, which is why the result of the first one really didn't matter. Chaos, Great Bash Heel, and Killer Elite Squad. According to the Observer, Lance Archer has sciatic nerve damage in his hip and also a herniated disc in his back. Uh, He was pulled from some of the house shows, and it is up in the air, in Dave Meltzer's words, as to whether he'll work this match. So who even knows if Killer Elite Squad Yeah, we're, we're recording this, by the way, for people that know, we're recording this at 9 o'clock on Thursday. So we have no idea if the schedule's been changed or wh- whatever uh, happened with that one. So, so if they do get pulled, uh, just know that that's when we're recording here. So maybe we did miss it or whatever. So I'm actually going to look it up as we speak, just in case, to... Uh... There's a good chance they're not going to be involved in this match. As as we record this, though, we have to go under what's listed. So it's a three-way for now. Um, knowing that he's that badly hurt, uh, I, and since he was such a big part of the first of why the, I enjoyed the first one, he was all over the ring in that first one. For a guy, yeah, per their, per their website, he is still uh, still on. This yeah, show, he has so. not been yanked yet. He was yanked from the house shows, but not from this yet. Um, he was all over the ring in the, in the first match. He was doing springboard high cross bodies and all over the place. So for a guy that was working with an injured hip and supposedly hurt the back in that match, uh, you know, this is a guy who still works hard. Uh, even when he's hurt, but uh, but we'll see about that. I think, you know, my original pick here was since they were protected from taking the fall in the first match, I figured Killer Elite Squad would win the titles here. But now, even if Archer works the match, I don't know, because if they know that he's injured and that he's just going to gut his way through this, do you want to put the titles on them necessarily? So even if that was the plan, they may switch gears. So I really don't have a pick. For, I, here's here's a little bit of a break from our our. Staff member Jojo Remy, who, who tweets out, Lance Archer is off Saturday's New Japan show. Azuka is taking Archer's spot in the tag title three-way. And Kawada gets a singles match with Taka. Okay, so that's great. So now we go. can break it down properly. Archer's out. So it'll be Azuka and Davey Boy Smith Jr. They are not winning. <laughs> I think it's safe to say, um, as of this recording, that no, Azuka and Davey Boy Smith Jr. are probably not winning the tag Yeah, match, so. so and what was the other change? Uh, then Kawada... Is going to face Taka. Kawato versus Taka Mishinoku in a singles match? Yes. Yeah, but I don't know because Taka was with. I, I don't know what that does a with Kushida. A lot of changes then because Taka was. Yeah, because then Ta- Kushida was with Tana, uh, uh, Tenzan, right? Yeah, okay, here, and Tenzan. Here's what, versus... it was, here's what it was it was Tenzan and Kushida versus Taka and Azuka. 
but Azuka's moving into the tag team title match. Taka's facing Kawato. Kawato was teaming with Yoshitatsu and facing Hanare and Oka. Okay. So three matches are being changed here. The first two matches on the card, those tags are out because Taka's facing Kawato. We already know the change for the tag title match. We got that straight. We know Taka's right. facing Kawato. What we don't know is what Hanare, Oka, Yoshitatsu, Tenzan, Kushida are doing. That's five. Yeah, those guys are all kind of floating there. That's yeah. five men, and we don't know what – well, at least as we record this, we don't know what they're doing. So, uh, well, that wipes out those two prelims that we don't need to talk about. Oh, good. Continue <laughs> to move down the card here. But, uh, yeah, Azuka and Davey Boyce, I mean, they have no chance. So, have, you ever, have you ever seen what Yoshitatsu's uh, name translates to? No, I do not know. A New Japan's website, goodbye. You know what? I did I, – I, <laughs> I love it. Because I did know that, but and I, 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 you just set me up there, and I – didn't knock it down. I love but it. But this is goodbye, goodbye for him as he moves on to CMLL after this show. Oh, darn. <laughs> so there you go. I, I hate picking on the guy, but he's just really To be fair, bad. he's done his best work over the last week or so. I mean, I guess. It, but, I'm not saying yeah. it's good work. <laughs> Relative, yes. You are correct. It is, his best work has been. Post yeah. broken neck, this is the best he's looked because he hasn't looked horrendous. Because there's time. Yes. Okay. There's yes. Time oh, he looks, oh, he's yeah. looked passable. And in, in a couple of these matches, he's looked pretty good. I mean, I'm not going to say he's. He's less of a geek now that the Bullet Club Hunter stuff is kind of done. Yes. So, so I, I'm with you on that. So so I one thing I can hope is when he comes back from CMLL, he's repackaged. That Bullet Club Hunter stuff, the <laughs> Triple H fucking fantasy play, that stuff's got to go. It really does because I think it's it's hindering him. I don't think he'll be any more than a minute. Look, the. Remember when they brought him in, he was teaming with Tanahashi. He was facing AJ Styles in singles matches. They had plans for him. He broke his neck. He came back. His work wasn't up to snuff. And all of a sudden, he's in a long-term storyline with Bone Soldier. So it's like they recognize that the post-broken neck Yoshitatsu. And look, let's fit, look. he wasn't Mitsuhara Masawa before the broken neck. He was okay. <laughs> right. He was a good worker. Look, he was a good worker in New Japan before he left for WWE. Not great. He was good. He could go out there and have a decent match. He was okay in WWE. He didn't really get a chance to look bad. Uh, but post broken neck, he's been horrendous. I thought he's looked okay over the last week or so. Hopefully, he gets repackaged and maybe you know he's he's a decent prelim. That's all I all I want out of him is he's a decent prelim guy. I don't think that's too much to ask. Um, Shibata defends the British heavyweight championship. That's the top rev pro title against Will Ospreay. This is my most anticipated match on this entire tour, even more so than Hiromu versus Dragon Lee. Even though I think Hiromu Dragon Lee will be the better match. I've seen it like nine times. I've never seen Shibata versus Will Ospreay. And I think this clash of styles is going to work for both guys. I think Ospreay is going to take a bunch of incredible bumps for this guy and fly all over the ring for him. And I think this is going to bring out a different style of match for Shibata as well. Yeah, I'm pumped up for this. My only um, downside to this is is I'm I'm, I'm really down on the idea that Ospreay can win. I'm really 100% convinced that Shibata will win because Rev Pro already shot the angle with Zack Sabre Jr. Now, there are British wrestling fans who will tell you that, uh, you know, that doesn't necessarily mean that has to be a title match, that they could headline a Rev Pro show with Shibata versus Zack Sabre Jr. without a title on the line. To me, I watched that whole show, the high-stakes show. That was the Shibata-Riddle main event. He beats Riddle. Zack Sabre Jr. comes out. To me, I've been watching wrestling for 30-plus years or whatever it is. That just screamed a title challenge to me. I feel like that's the direction they're going. I feel like Zack Sabre is going to beat Shibata for that title, which means he has to beat Will Ospreay here. What do you think? 
Um, yeah, I guess that makes sense there. But part of me kind of thinks Osprey has a chance of winning it. But I, I guess, like you're saying, though, uh, why fundamentally, angle? why shoot that angle? Exactly. Yeah, fundamentally, it doesn't make any sense because they've already kind of kind of put the cart before the horse in, in that respect. So I guess Rev, not. What but... the fuck does Rev Pro care about a New Japan fourth from the top match? They're, right. Exactly. They're going to shoot their so. angle because they got to worry about their business. So I don't I don't begrudge them for shooting that Zack Saber Jr. angle. But I do think it's just one of those things where if you're going to be this deep into wrestling fandom, sometimes shit like that happens and ruins a match for you. Right, yeah. So I, I'm holding out a little bit of hope that maybe it'll surprise you because I would like an Osprey win. But I, I like Shibata win, holding this title as well too because it, it's kind of cool that, that then you know that this guy's going to come over. That, then you're guaranteed another Shibata match in, in, in Rev Pro, which is always a cool thing to have him come in there, and, and especially if it's against Zack Sabre Jr. or something like that. So, I mean, part of me thinks Osprey could win, but I think, again, the logical part of me says Shibata retains. But then we're at an issue, a situation here where do you think the first, the top four all retain? Uh, I mean, well, I mean, chaos could easily lose to Great Bash. Yeah, I got. Yeah, they could. But um, I, as far maybe the big three of those three, I mean, the British heavyweight, the I, I guess that, and then you know the junior and the Intercontinental. I mean, maybe the Intercontinental does change. I don't know, but it's not unprecedented that all three of these guys just retain. Well, they didn't either. change the never. They didn't change the junior. They didn't change anything yet. Right. So, so it, we're look. I think I think GBH could win easily. I don't think that even matters. Um, I think the trios titles are going to change. If you want to throw them in the mix. Oh, no. <laughs> Don't tell Tanahashi. Good segue, though, because that's our next match. Here. Oh, no. Uh, He's going to be so upset. But look, how can, you ha- how can we break down a Never Trios match and not predict the title change? I think you have to every single time. So, yeah, I do think LIJ wins those back. Um, I think it was a neat little story. Nakanishi had his moment. He beat Bushi. New Year Dash, Big Pop, especially coming off that Nagata match from a few weeks earlier, which was a great singles match. Nice little story. That's what these trios titles give you. Nice little stories, cute little things to do on the undercard. And that was a lot of fun. But I think their time is done, and I think they're going to put the titles back on LIJ. And maybe from there, you might see more of a sustained run with Bushi, Evil, and Sonata. Because, you know, Bushi won't have as much to do now that he's the number two junior on the team. And maybe this is a good direction for all three of those guys to take them through the spring and the summer. Who knows? But I do think the title changes here. Rich, obviously you think there's a, a, a good chance for a title change at minimum, but do you think they're going to do that here? Uh, I do, yeah. I, I think there's almost no doubt that, um, that they're going to So with that them. said, would that be the do you think there's a chance that's the only title that changes hands over the course of these two shows? <sighs> I mean, we just kind of previewed these and talked about them, and yeah, I mean, I okay. I well, we got, right about we've got five. The, the tag titles could. The tag titles absolutely could. could. We've got yeah. I, I don't, but that doesn't. I don't. Care. Let's do Who it cares? this way. Nobody, People yeah. like when we do okay. stuff like this. Let's do it. Right. We got five title matches on the show. Let's rank them in order of the probability of them changing hands. I think okay. we would both agree the trio's title would be number one. The highest, yeah. That that I'd put at nearly a hundred to. Or whatever probability metric we're using. I don't know what the hell we're using. So I think we'd both agree the tag titles would be number two. Or maybe yes. not. I think they'd be number two. Um, I, I, yeah, I agree. It's mitigated a bit now that Archer's out. Because I thought both teams had a shot before. Yeah, now it's only one that so, has a chance. So maybe, maybe they hold it. Maybe they tell Chaos to hold it for another month until Archer's ready or something, something like that. So, But I still think they're number two. I think they're clearly number two. My number three would have to be Naito. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm right there too. Okay. My, There's enough doubt in my mind on that. Yeah. My number four, and this 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 is where it gets tricky. I would I would I would say, and again, I think he's retaining, but I I put Hiromu number four. Yeah, I I'd put Shibata and Osprey, even though even though you said about the angle and all that sort of stuff, I I still think that. Okay, one so that's, I, I I in my mind, there's no chance Takashi. I don't think so either, but I I also think there's 
there's zero chance Shibata loses. And I think, see, with Hiromu, I could see them. I would disagree with the title change because, like you said, I'd like to see him just be a strong champion. But I, can't you see them doing a quickie, if anything? Dragon Lee wins and then loses it right back to him. I mean, that's a Gato pattern. But I'm not trying to sell people on that because I do think he'll retain. Um, so, yeah, so we're, we're, we're the same on the first three. I feel really strong about Shibata and Hiromu. But, uh, but yeah, it would be weird if everybody retains. It, it would be strange. Yeah, someone's got to get, someone's got to drop. And I think that the nevers for sure. But yeah, as far as the others, I, I don't know. That increases the argument for Naito, I guess. But then again, do you really think they sit around? Do you think Gato and Jado are sitting there? <laughs> oh, no, we haven't had a title change yet. Right. They're like, well, Scratch it out. Forget it. We've got to change at least two. I don't think they view things like that. I think sometimes you just get a fluky thing where maybe no titles change. I think that's more of a fan thing that we look at, and it really doesn't mean anything. You know, um, it, but let's see. Now we've got, uh, the, the, again, those first two prelims are out the door. We have no idea what they're doing with those. All we know is that Taka's facing Kawato. Uh, I will say that uh, if you go back and watch the 2011 World Tag League prelims, Rich. I'm not going to do that. Sorry. Which I know you're going to do immediately after this podcast <laughs> ends. If you go back and watch the 2011 World Tag League. Are those even on the New Japan Probably World? not. Okay. Uh, you will see Taka take on a variety of young boys. Uh, the the uh, you'll see him take on guys like that we've talked about on this show, like Hiromu Takahashi. You'll see him take on uh, uh, I can't remember his name, but El Desperado when he was a young boy. You'll see him uh, take on uh, Takaake Watanabe, who is now known as Evil. And on each of these World Tag League prelims, Taka just stretches the fuck out of these three kids who were all young lions at the same time. They were right before Tanaka and Kamatsu. It was those three guys. It was El Desperado, it was uh, Evil, and it was, uh, it was uh, Hiromu. Those three guys were uh, young lions together, and Taka just stretched the shit out of them. So keep an eye on that. You might not want to skip Taka versus Kawato because he might stretch the shit out of this poor kid in the opener the way he did to those three, and that's always uh, a lot of fun to watch. Uh, we've got Gato, Goto, Jado, and Yoshihashi against Juice Robinson, Jushin Thunder Liger, Tiger Mask, and Yuji Nagata. Look, it's an eight-man tag. It's the third match on the show. What I find interesting here to watch, though, is Juice Robinson and Hiroki Goto. Juice eliminated him from the elimination match, which could be a clue that they're going to keep this thing going a little further. What do you think the chances are that Juice beats Goto again? Yeah, I mean, why not? Yeah. To set up another match. Now, I'd say pretty high. I mean, I, I guess. Yeah, he proved that, you know, he couldn't beat him this time. But, you know, Juice, we said that the story of that match was that Juice was was not far away. So, yeah, maybe he does get another quick little win here. Because otherwise, I don't see what else can really happen in this match. You know what I mean? Like, when you look at There's at the a lot of beatable pr- names in it. Yeah, but, like, w- when you think of, of story, unless, I, I guess the idea. So, if they're going to do something, that would be. If they just want to have a random match where, where Tiger Mask pins Gato or whatever, you could do that. But when you look at like stories that you can build off of this match, if that's what they want to do, there's really not much else other than Juice and, and Goto, right? There's not. That's the only story I mean, going on. I mean, Yoshihashi beating Yuji Nagata or whatever. Like, you know what I mean? Like, there's nothing else to happen. There's no yeah. other story to tell. There's nothing else. Is, so I guess if it's a throwaway match, it's a throwaway match. But if they have the idea of let's do something in this match, yeah, Juice and, and Goto makes sense one way or another, whether Juice pins Goto or maybe even Goto pins Juice and, and officially says, you're not in my league. Right, I don't know. Right. But my whole thing is. Why have Juice win the elimination match? Not only win the elimination match, but eliminate Goto as the final elimination. Right. If you're right. not going to carry something forward here, and that could just mean that may not even you know what that could mean a 
oh, I was going to say a New Japan Cup first round match, but Goto won't be in that if he's a champion, right? So uh, that throws that out the door. Right, but uh, yeah. but you'd think that something they would do. So- I'll tell you what they did. They did a good job not tipping off finishes with the Osaka card because you put these two guys in a random eight man. And then the match we're going to talk about now, Beretta, Okada, and Rocky Romero against Minoru Suzuki, Taichi, and Yoshinobu Kanemaru. Taichi, of course, replacing Desperado, as this basically entire card has gotten changed other than like three matches from what it originally was. Yeah, it got changed a few uh, earlier in the week, too. I mean, yeah. this, this is the updated card. This is, you know, after it got decimated once already. So, which, uh, which we should probably update our preview if you didn't publish it yet. Since the whole uh, no, we, we, it, is, it is currently being discussed in our Slack chat right now. <laughs> okay, so. we got to figure that out. Mr. Mr. Aaron Bentley is working on it right now. Oh, he now, is. So. Okay, so then I'll yes. go do my portion when we're done, and we'll we'll get the proper card up there. Um, so, yeah, all right. But anyway, so Okada and Suzuki are on opposite sides here. And again, I don't think their issue's over, Rich, because Suzuki... Oh, hell no. And I know you didn't see the match. I'm going to say something to you, and you're going to think I'm making it up. Suzuki eliminated Okada over the top rope with the knee bar in the elimination match. <laughs> no, how? I, Tell listen, me. you're going to have to watch how it did yourself because I can't possibly no. describe it. What? How? <laughs> this motherfucker, Suzuki, went into that elimination match. First of all, he used the knee bar repeatedly on Trent, and again, it was another great Beretta performance. This guy is on fire every match, and I'll tell you how Beretta's doing it and why nobody's noticing. It's with his selling. This guy's a selling machine this year in 2017. So Suzuki was just torturing Beretta with this knee bar the entire match. He gets Okada in there, and by the way, this Okada selling performance was without flaw. You can find flaws in the Sapporo match. You cannot find flaw in Okada's performance. He was Chris Masters level great selling the leg in this match, which is why I think if you go back and watch anything from that show, you need to watch this. Even though it wasn't a great match or anything like that, the performance of Okada and, and, and and the performance of Beretta is worth going back to watch that elimination match. The elimination match with Juice... And and Goto on opposite sides was the better match, but this match had better, the better individual performances. Suzuki had Okada in the knee bar, and somehow he went over the top rope and he eliminated. I I can't even. <laughs> what? I don't, okay, I so don't. here's what I think happened. I think they both tumbled over the top, but landed like on the apron, like as a tease, and then okay. Suzuki put the knee bar on him on the apron, and then just while he was in the knee bar, just flung him off the apron like by his legs, and that's how Okada. Got, okay, okay, okay. Dispatched from the map because i was gonna say suzuki had to then be eliminated too but okay was not, that makes he sense was not so uh, I, I see what yeah. you're saying yeah. but uh but yeah so uh that's the other and i think we've covered every match yeah because then the mat the show closes with the five title matches so we'll say i have some work to do after- <laughs> yeah unfortunately yeah sorry but after we're done with this podcast uh rich i'm gonna tell you about mac weldon did you know that mac weldon believes in smart design premium fabrics and simple shopping Mack Weldon will be the most comfortable underwear, socks, shirts, undershirts, hoodies, and sweatpants that you will ever wear. They want you to be comfortable, so if you don't like your first pair, you can keep it, and they will still refund you, no questions asked. And yeah, like, they, don't, they don't want your dirty underwear. And like we like to good. say every time, they are not taking back your dirty stained <laughs> underwear. You may keep them, no que- truly no questions asked. Right. Not only does Mack Weldon's underwear, socks, and shirts look good, they perform well too. It's good for working out, going out, going out on dates, or just everyday life. Go to MacWeldon.com and get 20% off using promo code VOWrestling. That's a new promo code. That's VOWrestling. Do not use the old promo code. I know for a fact 
that some of you guys have purchased Mac Weldon via the old promo code. It is now VO Wrestling, VO Wrestling, Mac Weldon. Uh, Good Valentine's Day gift as well. Yeah, for yourself. For yourself, you know, if, you're, if your lady forgot about you or, or, you know, you don't have a lady, buy yourself some nice underwear. 20%. Get a lady. Wear those sweatpants. Joe can tell you that hoodie. It was over in the... Uh, I listen territory right in, in San Antonio it was that, way over. I wish I could tell you that, but I am oh. I am never over in the Blanchard territory. <laughs> You're just not good. You just don't work I, there. Listen, some guys just can't work some territories. I am never over in Blanchard territory. Yeah, that's. Huh. I get completely shut out in the Blanchard territory. <laughs> and this has happened multiple times. Multiple too, right? times. Yeah, I sat huh. in that ROH parking lot that one time after that <laughs> death before dishonor or whatever the fuck it was. Nothing, Rich. I swiped for like an hour until it wouldn't let me swipe anymore. And not a <laughs> Your phone just app. locked up. Yeah, yeah the, the, the app oh. just locked up and said. It's hey, a go home. Yeah, it's the over. app said you're out of swipes. Get on the highway and go home. I just, I cannot, I do not do well in the Blanchard territory. I don't know what it is. Even the Mack Weldon hoodie didn't help. Do you, do you ever think of just walking down the river and just kind of waiting, you know, finding a, a lady and. Just go down to the river walk. Yeah, go to the river walk. You know, that it's, to- it's lame as hell, but you know, stick your hand out. Maybe someone will grab your hand. And you can- Most people are already paired up down there. I did. I did take a girl to the river walk for an entire weekend once. Ooh. I'm a romantic man, Rich. When I need to be, you see. So I did do the river walk. Thing. That's lame, romantic. Though, that river walk. I, I oh, she enjoyed that. that. I, yeah, that got. Well, she's lame. Then, that so was that, over. That, I, all right. That time I got over into Blanchard territory. <laughs> Okay, that was a that hotel room looked like a crime scene about eight hours later. Okay, so I I was over that. Oh, you didn't have to, you didn't have but, to tell me that. Well, I mean, you know, it's you claimed it was lame, but it definitely worked. Um, there's a actually there's a uh, there's a water park down there. Uh, it's called Schlitterbahn. Okay, it's it's like no, it's not. Yes, it is. It's a German. It's a German gimmick. It's called Schlitterbahn. It's not. That's Wiener Schnitzel. You're thinking of Wiener Schnitzel. No, I am not. I'm thinking. Okay. Schlittervon Water Park in New Braunfels, Texas. Okay. <laughs> so part two of the date was I was taking her to Schlitterbahn. Okay. So you at a water park does not sound. No, fun. but I didn't want to go. She wanted. Because you, yeah, exactly. Because you sound like a pain in the ass at water a water park. You're bitching about, yeah, you're bitching about your feet and like waiting in lines and you're hot and you're water you, parks. You would be a pain in the ass being at a water. Because they stink. I don't. They're go. not great. I agree. I agree. They're not. Great. Little kids everywhere. I can't kick the feeling. I don't care how much chlorine you use. I can't kick the feeling. Oh, there's piss everywhere. It's unsanitary. Yeah, it's I mean, there's little kids pissing in the water. There's, you know, dirty people going down the water slide. I, I just, I, I'm creeped out by the whole idea of public pools and water parks. But I'm a gentleman, Rich. And the lady wanted to go to the water park. So we drove three hours to New Braunfels, uh, Texas. And we pull up to Schlitterbahn, and did you ever see the movie Vacation, Rich? Oh, no, it's close. Schlitterbahn was not open, Rich. So I, of course, uh, sold it like I was disappointed. But there was a happy Joel Lanza on the inside who couldn't have been more thrilled that we pulled up to Wally World and the gates were closed. I was so happy. So we went back to the hotel, you know, and then came up with some alternate plans and then we did the Riverwalk deal and you know the fucking all the touristy shit the Alamo look if you're gonna go to San oh, the Alamo, sucks. The Alamo that stinks the worst. that was the it's worst so boring. I walked up there and I said this because fu- I walked like a few blocks like my hotel was, was was quite a few blocks away but I was like whatever I'll walk and it was hot as shit I mean it was August or whatever but I wanted to walk because it was like you know let me let me let me breathe in the town let me feel the town of San Antonio or whatever well hey, I didn't pass anything and then I get to the fucking Alamo and I'm like that's it this fucking thing is it 
massive letdown. And then I turn around and like Ripley's Believe It or Not is behind me, and I'm like, "Fuck this area!" And I just got, I yeah, walk it's right in. across the street. It's, th- it's yeah, I got some delicious Mexican food though. Directly so across the street is the Ripley's Believe It or Not. It's 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 almost perfect. Yeah, it, it, that's a much better attraction than the uh, than the the Alamo, which I don't even like. The Alamo, it's like, all right. I didn't. Well, then I like walked up and I thought, like, is that the facade? And there's like something behind well, it. There and is. I'm, like, there's looking. that open yard where it's like, yeah, but who cares? Like, I walked up and I'm like, oh, okay. It's you like... don't even feel the history when you're in it. You know what I mean? No. Like, yeah, not, exactly. Yeah. There, sometimes you go to these historical sites and it's not all that exciting, but you kind of it. The air is thick with history. Not the Alamo. It just feels like you're in a fucking like Adobe structure. I don't. I don't know how to describe it. It's very dusty. Um, it just, it just nothing to it. You're just, <laughs> you're sucks. in a fort yeah. from 1860 or whatever the fuck. Right, and it's been a fort that's basically knocked down too. I mean, <laughs> they got their asses kicked. The thing is, <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's a shitty it's, fort. It's not even a good. <laughs> it didn't work. Obviously, it was not an effective <laughs> fort. Okay, so and then it's like, then you go behind it into like the yard area, and it's clearly not how it was in like eight. What year was this Alamo battle? Yeah, I don't 1860 know. 1860 or something. Who died there? Up. Like all those dudes, Dan- Daniel Boone. Who else died there? Uh, fucking didn't didn't uh, Stephen F. Austin die at the Alamo? Uh, I'm not uh, quite sure. I think I could. Let's see. I, I know. I think Daniel. That's that's your state, buddy. I don't know. Daniel Boone, Stephen F. Austin. Uh, didn't uh, the Battle of the Alamo was March 6th, 1836. 1836. Okay, Davy Crockett didn't he die in the Alamo? Because they all died, right? Um, that I don't know. <laughs> I, I, they, no, they I, killed them all. Santa Ana, right? He killed everybody. We went. We should have. We should know. I mean, didn't you read the shit? No, I just fucking walked up. And I didn't read away. it either. But I think. <laughs> so this is stupid, who's the guy right? who invented the fucking coon hat? Uh, Davy Crockett. I'm pretty sure he died in the Alamo. I'm pretty sure Daniel Boone died in the Alamo. I'm pretty sure any of these. I don't think any of this. I'm pretty sure Stephen F. Austin died in the Alamo. All right, let me see. Daniel Boone, Alamo. Uh, didn't the famous Dan? Okay, here we go. Die at the Alamo. Let's, Just let's find pull out. up the Alamo and look at the. No, it's it wasn't in the Wikipedia. For How the is Alamo. the Alamo not in Wikipedia? No, that Daniel Boone wasn't in the Alamo Wikipedia. Well, then I'm probably wrong about that. I think you're wrong about Austin too. He's not in there either. Stephen F. Who was the other? You had Davy Crockett, Daniel Boone, and Stephen F. Austin. I... Yeah, I got nothing for any of those. Are guys. those are all? So... Those are all swing and misses. All three of them. Uh, yeah. Is that possible? So you, you're. Yeah, we're not going to do a history podcast anytime soon. Because yeah, I don't know famous... if this is true. Okay, how about Jim? Okay, famous people. James who Bowie. Died. James okay. Bowie definitely died in the Alamo. The guy who invented the Bowie knife, he's got to be one of them. Okay, so this other website says that Davy Crockett, James Bowie, and and William B. Travis are a few of the famous people who died at the so Alamo. I got though. Crockett and Bowie. I, 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 why did the Wikipedia not have that on there? Doesn't it seem like something they should have? It really does. It should have the Wikipedia should have people who died in the Alamo. I mean, yeah, it should be just like its own little dropout. Like, okay, let's 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 go to Davy Crockett's Wikipedia page and look up Alamo. Is Davy Crockett? Okay, yeah, died died at March sixth, eighteen thirty six. You're not you're not wrong. There it's you Davey go. Davy Crockett, the coonskin hat guy, right? Yep, that is him. All right, and Bowie died, right? Uh, yeah, Stephen F. Austin. I don't believe it. No Stephen F. Austin. No Stephen F. Austin. But but let me let me confirm that. Let me go to old Stephen F. Austin. Where's that university? Old Stephen F. Austin University. It's in, uh, yeah, it's uh, Huntsville. Okay. Um, uh, yeah, I think he was at the Elmo. He did not die at the Elmo. Oh, he survived Stephen. it, huh? He survived, yeah. He was there. Yeah, he lived to, uh, he died that later that year, but no, he, uh, he's, he apparently he was so there. How is that so. far off, Dan? At least he was in the building. Oh, he got the same birth, death year, so I guess that's. How did uh, he fucking survive it? That's what I, I thought they all got killed. I don't know. 
I feel like I'm forgetting some famous people who were killed in the Alamo. <laughs> Even though I you, you ripped me, but I did pretty good there because I you did not I bad. Nailed, yeah, yeah. I nailed okay. three of them, and the other guy the other guy was there at least. At least he yeah, James James Bowie, and then William B. Travis. Oh, he was the I think he was the lead commander, Travis. Okay, there you go. So see, you you did learn a little bit on your little date. I must have. You were bored out of your mind, so you just read every plaque. I, that... I was going to say Custer, but obviously he died. <laughs> I don't, you know. He that died was... in a completely different battle. So <laughs> he I'm, did. I'm glad I didn't say that one. Um, but that, that's, you know, I didn't do a bad And Santa Ana was definitely the Mexican. Uh... Correct. Yeah, that, that I do know for a fact. So having been to San Diego many times, that, that I can confirm is correct. So Why is Santa Ana a big It's a big deal there, I think. It's a big yeah, deal they... in San Diego, huh? Yeah. A big fan of his there? Oh, am I? Or are they? The San Diego uh, natives. Oh, yeah. I think I believe they Why are. do they yeah. like Santa Ana so much? I have no idea. <laughs> I just know there's a town named Santa Ana. I believe it's named after him. So. Oh, it's near San Diego. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's right, right. Next so I feel like they're a bunch of traitors. Like, he was he was like, you, you got you to gotta be like a fan of Davy Crockett, not Santa Ana, right? No. Well, Unless you are. Pretty down there. I mean, that, that Santa Ana is pretty, pretty close to the. Uh... <laughs> but Davy Crockett seems like a decent guy, right? And he invented the hat and everything. He did pretty good. I mean, I guess. I don't, I don't know him personally. <laughs> <laughs> you never met Mr. Crockett. I did not meet. I met. Nor, I didn't meet Jim Crockett. I haven't met Davy Crockett. I never met any of the Crockett. So. Do you ever use a Bowie knife? Uh, you know, I don't know if I know what a Bowie knife is. I couldn't tell you what it is either. <laughs> I was going to say, this. Mr. Handyman. Let's let's look this bad boy up. Um, this is terrible radio, something. by the way. No, I have never used a Bowie knife. I'm, I'm looking at it now. No. Don't you use it to, like gut an animal or something? Yeah. Like, what would I ever use that for? Like. Would I clean my gutters out with this shit? No, I'm not cutting anything with it. I have, like, dull steak knives to cut, you know, shitty steak. I don't do <laughs> Cut animals. the hell out of here. Okay. Elimination Chamber? Elimination Chamber would be next, yes. Yeah. So, let's see. we got Elimination Chamber coming up this Sunday, Rich. Hopefully, everyone will have listened to the show by then. Um, most people listen by Sunday, right? We, yeah, oh, yeah. We yeah. We some... Mostly Friday. Mostly Friday and Saturday. Here's what jumped out at me about this show. There are three female singles matches on the show. Yeah. We always say that we, we, if you're going to go full on with uh, women's wrestling in this company, you've got to do something other than just title programs. And SmackDown has done a much better job. And Raw's starting to get there, too, with doing uh, programs among the women that don't involve the title. And there are three such matches on this show. Alexa Bliss defends against Naomi. That just screams like challenger of the month to me. I don't think Alexa Bliss is going to lose the title to Naomi. We've got Nikki Bella versus Natalia as they continue their feud. And we've got Becky Lynch against Mickey James, which has also been a bit of a heated feud. So three women's matches, singles matches on this pay-per-view on the main show. Has this company ever done that? I have to say no. Yeah, I'm going to go on a limb and say no. I mean, this is, I mean, God, look at, we talked about it. We talk about it all the time when we talk about the women here. And, and, and we said it, you know, years ago about Sasha Banks, where before she even stepped foot in a WWE ring, quote unquote, a WWE ring, she was already the best women's wrestler in, in, in that company's history that, that, you know, in terms of in-ring output in WWE slash NXT or whatever. I mean, this company just never has done anything with, with women uh, on any level close to this. I mean, there's, I, I don't, I, I'm not going to, I haven't looked it up, but I, I'd be stunned if there was any event that had three singles women's matches I'm, i mean 20 years it was it was it was sable deborah and you know ashley massaro and you know what i mean yeah. like that that's that's the history tori wilson and stacy they weren't doing singles matches with those girls no every now and then they, you know there was that trish stratus lita 
Mickey Jeans. But even then, that's one. Yeah. yeah or, and then one you had. Match. Oh, right. And then you had even your Mollies and, and, and your Victorias sure. and those. And there were little bits here and there, but then it was just them and then that was it. And they get three minutes anyway. Exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, it, I, I, I don't know because I haven't looked it up, but I would be stunned if there was another example of ever, that ever happening. Yeah. So that jumps out at me when I look at this card. I worry about the Alexa Bliss Naomi match. I worry about that match a lot. Alexa Bliss has really been exposed on the main roster when put in the situations where she's asked to work a longer match. She had that match against Becky Lynch. Uh, what was it? The tables match, I believe it was, where it just fell apart um, and, and they looked lost. And I put a lot more stock into Lynch as a worker than I do Bliss for obvious reasons. So I've got to put it on her uh, as the reason that match fell apart. I think Bliss does great character work. I, I just don't think she's there in the ring yet. And Naomi is someone who uh, just does tremendously athletic things. But again, she also has a reputation of things falling apart in her mat. This, this, I'm not saying it's going to be ugly. I'm saying it has a chance to be real. Yeah, if one thing goes wrong, this whole thing's going to fall apart. It, it, that, that's that's you know, This match is a house of yeah. cards. And if, if you knock out that one of them bottom cards, the bottom is going to fall out on this match. Yeah, and if they, if they have five minutes left to go in their time queue, they're just going to look at each other and go, oh, no, I don't know what to I do. could see this being one of those matches where some things go wrong and then they get lost and they don't know how to recover because I think a big thing with green wrestlers is where you get lost in a spot or something doesn't go the way you thought it was going to go and then you're just, you know, you, you just get lost and you don't know what to mm-hmm. do for 40 seconds. So I definitely could see that. I'm not worried about Nikki Bella versus Natalia at all. It's going to be fun. Oh, God, no. That's going to be pretty Mickey good. And Nikki James versus Becky Lynch has the potential to be excellent. I mean, but that match just jumps out at me as it has the chance to be very ugly. So I'm a little... Is it, is it wild if I say that Becky Lynch and Mickey James will be the best match on this entire show? It it has... It could be, yeah. I mean, it might. It has a chance to be, yes. Now, the Elimination Chamber matches, they can go either way. That can be an awesome match or... We've seen Elimination Chamber matches that make no impression on people. Yeah, exactly. And it's actually kind of funny. I went, I, I did that article that's up on the website right now looking at the history of the Elimination Chamber matches, like looking at some stats or whatever, and, and looking at star ratings and even cage match ratings. There's a few that do well, but there's not really. I mean, you'd be surprised that even Dave, who, who loves his WWE gimmicks, he's only going four and a quarter with any Elimination. And that was the best of the best is four and a quarter. And Dave likes that kind times, of, He loves that Exactly. Of. Right. <clears throat> Otherwise, you're, you're three, three and a half. Mm-hmm. They're, for, they're, they're largely I mean, forgettable. I mean, that, 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 and that's the thing. Like, I, I enjoy them. They're fun. But when it's all said and done, you don't go, wow, that was a spectacular exactly. match. Because the, the format doesn't really lend itself to a spectacular it does match. Not. There's, There's a lot of little fun spots here and there, but it doesn't lend itself to an, oh, my God, what did I just see? That was incredible. Too many people in a small space. Right, exactly. So. And, and the timing cues and these sort of things. Like, too much stuff happens. Yeah, and, 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 and the elimination factor comes into play. So, I mean... Given the talent that's in this one with Cena, Styles, Ambrose, and Miz, you know all those guys I think are are, are fantastic. So that that's a good little crop to have. But I it, it they I, I'm just I'm just setting expectations that they don't always blow you away, and very rarely they leave people disappointed. That's right. You can, and that's not not just Dave, but us too. I mean, read any review and go back in your history of looking at elimination sure. chambers. I mean, a lot of times when it's all said and done, you go, eh, yeah, you don't even remember a lot of them. <laughs> And, right. and, and <laughs> you, kinda... you can tell a good story in these matches. It doesn't mean it's going to be a good match. That's the other thing, too. Um, it's, you know, so uh, you're right. I mean, the tag again, the tag team turmoil, there's like 19 fucking teams in this thing. That could just be a mess. I mean, I'm sure it'll be fun. 
but there's a million teams. Are they? Are these teams going in the chamber cells? Because I'm, no, 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 no. This is not a. Chamber I race. saw someone tweet that, and I was like, I, "That can't." No, be right. they did that too. They did that in 2015. Remember that was the Kalisto uh, do a backflip off the yes. top of the chamber thing, and uh, no, I, I, I think they've realized that that's probably not a great idea. So yeah, so I mean that could be a cluster, and, and <laughs> uh, I guess Luke Harper, Luke Harper, Randy Orton could be okay. With with Orton, you just never know. Orton is either gonna. Orton's either going to story tell you to death and bore you to tears, or he's he's capable of going out there and having a great match show. And Harper's great, so I have no doubt that Harper will. But yeah, it, it depends what the story of that match is sure. going to be. If, and you think Harper would be motivated to go out there getting a single shot here? Oh, sure, yeah. To go out but there if it's Chinlock City, you know, Randy Orton, then, then yeah, <laughs> that's going to be a thing. So. And Apollo Crews, Callisto versus Dolph Ziggler. I mean, it's a two-on-one match with two baby faces and one heel. It's going to be very gimmicky. Um is there any way for Cruz and Callisto to not look bad in this situation? <laughs> no, and I they're probably going to lose, right? I mean, e- even if they win, I mean... <laughs> it's, right, it's like, yeah, we beat them. Like, two cool. baby faces beating them. <laughs> right. Yeah, screw you, Dolph. It's like, all right, well, there's two of you. Yeah, I don't understand why this... I don't get it either, unless, unless... I mean, you make those guys look like idiots. I mean, Unless one of them's turning. Hmm, but... Uh, Apollo yeah. Cruz has no momentum as a baby face. Now... But he's a. I don't I, know if he's a. I good listen. Story. He's like yeah. the. He's like the the exactly what a babyface should be, right? Like, but he's going nowhere right now as a face. I could see them turning him here, because here's why. Callisto is the perfect guy for a spot like this because he's a guy who, like we talked about with Kowato, he garners a lot of sympathy very easily, right? So if Cruz turns on him here and Cruz and Ziggler just beat the shit out of Callisto, that would be a good angle to get Cruz over as a heel, right? I mean, if that's what they're thinking. I'm just thinking outside the box here because I'm thinking to myself, Rich, why are you doing a two-on-one, two baby faces versus a heel? Yeah, I mean, something's up. I mean, that that's right. – you can't come over with this thing and that something's up. And I think – and, and just looking at Cruz's up. momentum, I think it makes sense. I don't think turning Callisto heel makes sense at all. No, 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 no. That'd be bad. And then maybe you have an Apollo Cruz, Dolph Ziggler sort of, you know, heel buddy thing going on, you know? like It might work. I mean, it, it, it could be the, one of these situations we talk about with Neville where it's like, well, geez, he should never be a heel. And it's like, eh, maybe he's okay. And then he's it's the amazing. greatest heel of all time. Right, you know? yeah. I, I, I feel like Cruz might not be, but we'll, we'll see. I mean, if they – what sucks is that the guy is just tailor-made for just you, – you, it's so easy with he him. He really is. You know what it's I mean? Too, but they can't figure it out, so. It's too easy. Yeah, uh, nice <laughs> but like they're not gonna do it so or they just don't know what they have so yeah maybe go go for it do whatever but before, that's true yeah early in his career very early in his career didn't he work a little bit of heel for uh or was he not early to usa was he a heel i can't remember. i'm trying to remember back what he was dragon gate he came in as a heel didn't he in the very beginning, um, before he joined monster express i'm almost positive he was a heel yeah i don't recall what he did exactly I, then, but it, it's certainly been a while. I mean, he, he's he's certainly established. But yeah, I, I get why not. I mean, there's got to be something up. There's no reason to have a two-on-one handicap match with two baby faces and one heel. So, are you feverishly looking this up? I, I'm almost positive he came into draft. I don't even know how you're going to be able to even look that up. That's uh, easy. You just go to uh, let's see. Uh, uh, <laughs> More adventures and googling on the Voices Wrestling Legend podcast. Oh, may, maybe not. He debuted as uh, Akira Tozawa's tag partner against Cyber yeah, Kong and Don Fuji. No, that definitely wasn't a... And he challenged BB Hulk for the title. I remember that now. Oh, no, no, no. That's, that was his return. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was Blood Warriors when he came in. I knew he was... Oh, okay, okay. I, didn't, I don't know if I remember that. 
Yeah, remember he beat, he was winning squash matches early. He was beating like um, when Kotoko was a young boy, and and he was just beating them very quickly. He was winning squash matches. He was okay. he was in Blood Warriors, and then he didn't go face until um, uh, the, like uh, Monster Express formed, I believe. So yeah, but he was definitely a heel. He, he might have been in Mad Blanky for a while too. He did. He was. He was in Mad Blanky with Tazawa. Yeah, so he's been a heel before, but it was very early in his career. But I, I just, I kind of, I smell a rat there, Rich. Something's got to be up with that match. Yeah, I mean, it's it's too weird not to be. So. so anyway, that's the undercard. And then we have the Elimination Chamber match, which most people feel Bray Wyatt's going to come out of, right? I mean. Yeah, I think that, I mean, with Orton, with Orton having the, the, which again, which means you might have some kind of bullshit finish in this match too. Some kind of overly heavily gimmicked finish because who knows Bray Wyatt might summon another spirit or possess another child or yeah maybe child maybe sister Abigail pull another magic trick out of his ass or something something that we're we're going to hate um but you know so that could mitigate whatever's going on in terms of the quality of this match too so you could be on to something is there a chance Becky Lynch and Mickey James could be the best match I think you're Mm -hmm. right I think there is a chance for that absolutely will it be I you know I wouldn't put my confidence any higher than fifty fifty, but that's that's pretty confident though all things considered. That that yeah, it, it depends how much time they get to. It depends if yeah, oh, there's a lot of factors. A lot, yeah, a ton of factors. But uh, that's a pretty deep undercard too, because the chamber matches are usually pretty long, right? At least they're very. I mean, it's gonna be an hour. Oh, an hour, you think? Chamber. Okay. I yeah, I think them, they usually. So yeah, they come in fairly long. I guess I should have looked. I, I didn't look at the time. I should. That's actually a very good thing that I should have done. It's is the match length. But yeah, I think they they come at like. I think the low end was like well, whatever that December to December. But I don't even count that one because that one was like super. That one was shockingly quick or whatever. But uh, the rest of them, I think, are um, they're somewhere in the thirty plus range. Let, let me look. I, I can look it up real quick uh, to make sure. But but they're longer. I mean, that one's going to get a ton of time. We got a six so. match undercard here, so um, you know the matches could get a decent amount of time. Who knows? But uh, you think something something here would get cut, and you think that they would look right to the women's matches if they were going to cut time on something because that's yeah uh, that's what they do. Um, well, how long was last year's, for example? Oh, last year's elimination chamber. Is match? that what you're looking up? Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm gonna check out. Um, so give us a little ballpark here. Yeah, well, let's see here. Let's look at 2013. That was one of the. Um... One of the big time ones, because last year was kind of weird because you had like the the. Um, I don't even. I don't even remember stuff. it honestly. Yeah, it, it was like the tag. Well, they didn't have one in 2016. Uh, it was 2015. Was oh, that's well. I can't remember something that didn't exist. So yeah, exactly. Would... So uh, so this is 2013 Elimination Chamber. This was like Jack Swagger defeating Chris Jericho, Daniel Bryan, Kane, Mark Henry, and Randy Orton. Uh, that one was 31 minutes, and that was on the undercard. This was uh, uh, Elimination Chamber 2013. Though. Apparently, The Rock and CM Punk were a match as well. That. Yeah, I remember that. I, even... I do remember that. Yeah. yeah, we didn't like that match. As a matter of fact, remember? Uh, didn't uh, I think The Rock gassed out in that match? Didn't he? Was that the one, or was that Royal was Rumble? That, Royal Rumble? that was Royal Rumble. I think that was Royal Rumble where he gassed out. But uh, so it looks like okay. So I'm looking at this. This is a Elimination Chamber 2011. So there were two on this match. Uh, they both were 31 minutes, 33. So they're half hour matches. Yeah, so about half hour. I, I wonder if this one's going to get a little bit more though, because there is only the one Elimination Chamber match on this show. Yeah. But but who knows? Yeah, I could. There'll be shenanigans with Bray Wyatt. You, you know that. that and that, that's the problem. I guess, like, in, in your mind, is there any chance that anybody else wins but Bray Wyatt? Maybe this is kind of the, the, the quote-unquote smart fan in us or whatever. But, I mean, I, there's no way AJ Styles wins. There's no way The Miz wins. There's no way Baron Corbin wins. And I don't think John Cena retains. 
right? No, I like, mean, with, with Orton winning... I mean, there's no other option, right? With, like, with Orton winning the Rumble, what other story is there to tell? It, that's what I mean. Like, there's not... That's part of it, too, is I, I don't have much interest. And wasn't because... Bray Wyatt left off of WrestleMania last year? Yes. Yeah, he was. So, I mean... you know, And they like him a lot. They're not going to leave him off. Because if he doesn't win this, then what do you do with him at WrestleMania? His natural program is Orton. And and Orton is facing Luke Harper, who just turned on those. And look, it, Wyatt's winning this match. <laughs> I know. I'm trying to. I know. I know you're just trying to. You know. <laughs> There's got to be something, but finagle no, something here. Now, here's the thing, and this is a point I wanted to bring up too. We always pick on these W. We we preview these shows, and we're always so down on them. Then they're always fucking awesome. These... No, we always we always say the in ring is great. The stories leading into them aren't are always the best, and they don't give us the most excited. But the matches themselves are great. We, that's why he said the roster is fucking so talented. These WWE pay-per-views have delivered consistently for what? Like 14, 15, 16 months? I mean, they just, they just this bang out. I mean, every now and then you get someone. But for the most part, all of these WWE pay-per-views have been excellent. And we, we when we preview them, we're sullen. We're like, uh, 1 to 10. We give everything like 4. And then the, these shows happen, and, and, and then we do nothing but praise them. Looking at this one, though, I think this could be one of those shows where we're not, you know, shoveling praise on it because there's a lot of holes here where, you know, the tag team turmoil could be a mess and a two on one handicap. There's something up three women's matches, one of which looks like it could be a disaster on paper. Elimination Chamber matches are never so hot. So this could be a WWE pay-per-view that doesn't deliver in the ring. I think more so than some of the other ones that we've uh, seen over the last few months. I think it's fair. I think it's fair to say. But uh, yeah, yeah. I, I'm. I, I guess part of my thing is, like I'm saying, these elimination chambers, and you have this idea of oh, it's a big time gimmick matches, but they're not really that good. So I guess that's part of my reservation is is you know reading the card I'm going okay cool it's elimination chamber match and I guess if you like elimination chamber matches and those are your thing like you'll like the show but I think it it does have a very high 